0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Sunny 16 podcast this is episode 110 we've made it to our first film format number which is so exciting 110 of course uh, known for being small and cute and really easy to work with (laughs) speaking of which joining us of course is the lovely Rachel. Rachel how are you?
1: I think that was my favorite intro to me you've done. Thank you so much Graham that's very sweet of you. Um yeah I'm good. It's a bit muggy up here in Liverpool. I was just saying to our guest uh, just now um that um i actually i was uh busy on saturday doing doing a job and uh, it was supposed to be creating sun prints and that was the first day of this incredible summer heat wave that we've had where there was no flipping sun <laughs> so i was like seriously it's just typical but uh we still had a lot of fun so we can talk about that in a little bit anyway
0: but yeah, good, I'm good. No aid this week, as he's on his summer holidays. Uh, He has headed off to the seaside somewhere, I think, for a very nice time. Um, Down uh south. Um, So we hope he's having a lovely time. We hope he's taking lots of lovely summer holiday Mm -hmm. pictures on his Kodak film, his Kodak summer holidays photos. Um, But never mind, we don't need aid. I mean, obviously we do. We miss him terribly. (laughs) We do. We We miss him. (laughs) Dreadfully. I really
1: miss him. (laughs) Oh, God.
0: (laughs) We have got a wonderful guest with us this evening, who I'm really looking forward to picking his brains and getting all the answers to my deepest, darkest fears. (laughs) Well, okay, some of my deepest, darkest fears. I'm probably not going to be able to pay them enough (laughs) to deal with all of them. But anyway, joining us from Londinium Cameras, it's Lyndon Booth. Lyndon, welcome to the show.
2: Hello. Lovely to be here.
0: It's fantastic to have you here. Um, For people who may not know, and there's probably quite a lot of people who may not know, and that's perfectly Um, reasonable. uh, There will be a few. There will be a few. There will be a few. (laughs) Lyndon is... An incredibly rare creature. He <laughs> is one of the, one of the precious few who repairs cameras. And what makes him even more notably rare as a human being on the planet is he is somebody who repairs cameras and is under the age of sixty. Uh, he is. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say young man because youngish, youngish, young yeah.
1: young-ish, youngish man. <laughs> Yeah, but for those who don't know, that's a different podcast reference, yeah, So uh, yeah, yeah reference. but we won't get there. Um,
0: <laughs> Lyndon, could you talk to us a bit about how a youngish man like yourself came to be working in camera repairs?
2: Okay, well, well I'll try, I'll try. Um, well, I suppose it all begins when I left school, sort of mid-90s it was, um, summer holidays, a bit like now. Um, and my mother was not best pleased because I was I was hanging around the house and she wanted me out. She said, you need to get a job. Um, so she put me forward um, for a thing called YTS. I don't know how many people remember that, but it's mm-hmm. a youth training scheme. Um, and it was OK. It was OK. Um, so I, I got a job um, in Exeter at a, a camera shop called Camera X. Some of you may remember it. Um, they're still going, but not not quite um, not quite as big as they used to be. Um, so I, I got a job there, um, and it was an amazing secondhand camera shop. Um, upstairs there was a, a repair workshop, um, and that's where I really fit in. Um, it's, some, it's not something I ever um, imagined I would do. Um, I mean, at the time I had a, a Dixon's point and shoot focus free camera. Um, so I didn't really know anything about photography, um, sort of chucked in at the deep end. Um, so it, yeah, it was it was it was a, a sort of a leap into something I'd, I'd never, ever done before. Um, but I soon discovered that I, I you know it's something I was interested in, something I could do. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's that's where I started, really.
1: You truly are a rare creature.
2: <laughs> I, I have. And many people have said that Um the, the, the two people that uh, um, own the company called uh, Neil and Kevin Thompson, um, I suppose when I started, they must have been sort of 40, 45, um, that sort of age. Um, but even then, you know, they were quite young um, to be in that, in that business. You know, most people were, were a lot older. Um, so I sort of turned up a sort of 17 year old, spotty youth um, and sort of jumped in at the deep end, really.
0: And how long have you spent within the industry?
2: Well, I, I spent a long time um, at Camerax, um, sort of le- learning the trade and learning all about all you know, sorts of different cameras. Um, I suppose it would have been around about two thousand and four that I left. Um, and as you know, around that that period, film photography was taking a you know a big hit from digital, um, and had like a lot, a lot of places, um, you know, they, they had to make redundancies and unfortunately it was me. <laughs> so I, um, I got a job at Boots, which was,
3: mm-hmm.
2: which was an interesting place. Um, <laughs> I, well, it was, I, I, I went there on the basis of, um, I was going to work in the photo lab and I thought, well, that, you know, that's shouldn't be too difficult. So I fit in there, but actually, I probably only worked each day in there for a couple of hours. And the rest of the time was was, um, spent on the checkouts um, and looking after my particular area of the shop, which just happened to be nappies and (laughs) and all that sort of thing. Which, you know, wasn't really something I knew a lot about back then. But you
0: do now. (laughs) I certainly do
2: now. I certainly do now. Oh, dear.
0: So that doesn't sound like you're really living the dream then. So uh, it no. is it your time in um, retail hell that led you to starting londinium cameras?
2: Well, no, I mean, I up boots. I was there for a couple of years. Um, and then strangely enough, a camera shop opened up um, in the town I live, which is Tiverton. Um, and I, I managed to get a job there. You know, I thought, this is this is going back to what I know. This isn't nappies, this is cameras. Um, and <laughs> And it it was, you know, an interesting time. um, But selling digital cameras and binoculars and scopes and all that, all that sort of stuff. And it was fine. And I did it for a while, but it wasn't really something I wanted to do. You know, it's a bit soulless. um, And yeah, it it wasn't for me. It was all about the sales. It wasn't really um, wasn't really my cup of tea. So then I went to work um, for a friend of mine doing um, double glazing repairs of all things. (laughs) if you can imagine.
1: Well, it's working with glass. <laughs>
2: yeah, I did clean a lot of glass, yeah. <laughs> um, and then that didn't work out very well. Um, and that was about six years ago that I, I left and, and decided I, I'm not doing that anymore. I, I just I couldn't cope with it. And I thought, what, what do I know? Oh, I, I repair cameras. I'll go back and do that again. <laughs> and that's where we are today.
0: So you started Londinium Cameras about six years ago. First question I have about Londinium Cameras is why the incredibly misleading name? Because I just assumed you were based in London. What with Londinium Cameras being the name of your store?
2: You, you might think that was a marketing ploy, and it wasn't. Um, I um, well, when I when I left the um, the double glazing repairs, I literally left on one day. I said, "I've had enough. I'm going." So <laughs> I didn't really hand in my notice. I walked off the job. Um, so there wasn't a lot of planning that went into this. Um, so the, the next week was spent sort of planning. What am I going to do? Oh, I could do camera repairs. I can sell cameras probably. Um, let's see if I can do that. So for some reason, um, when I worked at the, the digital camera shop, I um, Someone there used to call me Londinium. That was that's sort of a nickname I, I picked up. So I thought, ah, Londinium cameras. That's easy. Didn't have to think too hard about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't really, I didn't really work You didn't, people...
1: Lyndon, but <laughs> everybody else was a bit confused. <laughs>
2: well, I didn't realise that people might think, yeah, I was from London. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you, you settled back into camera um, cameras and that's now how you are making your living or at least (laughs) and in theory at least when things are going well yeah so um camera repairs I, i was really keen to get you on to talk to you because this is a topic which comes up tangentially in kind of every conversation that we have even when it's not spoken about specifically it's always the unspoken part of the conversation we were talking to Andy last week um, from Kodak about mm. the cameras and I said you know well, what about the fact that no one's making new cameras and Andy's response was well there's there's hundreds of thousands you know, millions of cameras out there which is of course true but these cameras are, are all getting older and they're all yeah. wearing out um, yeah. so the, the the whole thing of being able to get things repaired is incredibly important and it's something which I know absolutely nothing about, so I've got loads of questions I hope you'll bear with. Um I will. The first question I have is, how... Um, what? Okay, let me try and phrase this the right way. Are cameras <laughs> are, are, are cameras generally... Are, are, is one camera much like another? If you Do you need to know every camera very specifically to be able to work on them? Or um, are there certain things about cameras that you can deal with almost regarding... Uh, disregarding what manufacturer they're from,
2: um, well, that, that's a, that is a difficult question. Um, yes, fundamentally, they all do the same job, but how they actually do that job can be very different. Um, so, you, yeah, you, if, if you repair cameras, certainly from my point of view, you don't repair all cameras. Um, you might have a go, you know, you know, you might have a try, but. You know, there's certain cameras you're going to know better than others. Um, I mean, there's so so many out there, so many variations anyway, it would almost be impossible to, you know, to know them all. But, yeah, um, manual focus, SLRs, fundamentally all work in a very similar way. Um, I mean, you could split them up between mechanical cameras and electronic cameras. um, But, yeah.
0: And are there, in fact, I know there are because I've seen them, but are there certain things that you see coming through, your doorstep <laughs> that's not a sentence um more often than others what what are the particularly common problems that you're having to deal with
2: right the, the main problems i would say are um perished light seals um and fungus in lenses that's the main thing um to be honest with you i mean yeah you get a whole variation and wide range of other problems with cameras but yeah as a, as a general thing those are the two things if you've got a camera and you haven't used it for a long time, it's going to have fungus in the lenses and it, all the seals will be completely knackered.
0: And those, I mean, I know light seals are pretty easy to sort out, um, but is it stuff, fungus in lenses, um, that's always seemed to me to be quite a, sort of, a big bogey uh, for a lot of people. Um, uh, is fungus in lenses something that people should be very wary of? Is it something that's actually relatively easy for someone to deal with if you've got the right skills?
2: Um, it all depends on how long it's been in there. Um, the fungus lives on the, the coatings of the lenses. So the longer it's there, the more it's had you know, time to feed on it. So the more likely it is to leave marks. Um, and also not all, all lenses are made of glass. Some of them will be made out of, um, you know, not quartz, but, you know, the, those sorts of materials. Um, so it will affect it in different ways. Um, some, some coatings on lenses are really soft. Um, and if you were to touch them, they'd wipe off, especially on some like lenses. So all of those things together, yeah, it depends on the. There's some lenses will clean easier than others, but as a rule, the longer it's there, the more likely it's to cause issues.
0: Got you. And am I right in saying it can actually um, etch into the glass itself if it's been on there for a particularly long time?
2: Um, it's mainly the coatings that it eats into. Um, from you know, I would say. Um, I think yes, it, it will it will mark them. You've all seen some milky marks, um, especially on a lymph if you've got an Olympus standard fifty mil one point eight lens and it's had fungus, probably the rear optics won't clean very well and they'll leave a sort of milky residue. Um, so
3: yeah.
0: So what do you most dread? because uh, <laughs> I'm sure there are things that you just kind of go, actually, no, this probably isn't a thing that I should, you know, you should look elsewhere for that. But of the things that you will tackle, you go, oh, yes, I can repair that. What are the things that you most dread turning up going, oh, God, this is going to be a right pain in the arse? Um, well,
2: I don't. I don't some, yeah. If someone brought me a Zenith, I wouldn't be very happy.
0: <laughs> hey, look, that's <laughs> Let's a let that response. Let's, I think we can all agree with that sentiment. If somebody <laughs> brought me a Zenith, I wouldn't be very
2: happy. But um, actually, the worst the worst cameras to work on are dirty cameras. If they're really dirty, um, then they're not nice to work on at all. Mm. Um, there's nothing worse than picking it up, and you've got to clean it before you, you take it apart. But yeah, there's no, that's something I really dread
0: what what and what, um, brands I even mean, you mentioned about Zenit I have no idea whether your dislike of working on Zenit is because of any mechanical reasons or just purely because I mean you know come on, are we really are wasting our time on this. Um, what cameras are good to work on, and what cameras are just for for the way they're built less pleasant to work on
2: um from well, for me, anything that has got too much electronics in it I'm not a fan of. Um, i like I like more mechanical cameras. Um, I suppose my favourite, simply because it's one of the first things that I repaired, would be the Pentax Spotmatics. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very good cameras, really well made. Um, and then they're, they're nice to work on, you know, they're, they're, they're good fun to work on. I don't mind taking one of those apart. I'll do one of those all, all day, every day. Um, and obviously, the K1000 is pretty much the same camera, um, and I see an awful lot of those as well.
0: And on the flip side of that? Uh,
2: <laughs> well anything with electronics in it um, I'm you know I'm not an electronics expert so when it's got multiple printed circuit boards in there, not really not not a fan don't really want to do it um, and and really a lot of them you can't do a lot of work on anyway if the electronics are shot you know that's the end of the camera yeah from my yeah. point of view anyway
0: yeah how hard is it when people send you stuff um because uh, I know we had a conversation about um, my camera when I sent it to you about, okay, you know, the... the uh, gonna which to one use, did you send, Graham? Uh, this was the Yashica Mat, my right. Yashica mat TLR, mm-hmm. which I have, and since I've had it back, I had a lot of fun using. But um, I sent it to you because the shutter was gummed up, and you, when you received it, checked it over thoroughly, and you let me know that the... Um, you you explain what was wrong with it because I will use it. that dumb dumb words and people were <laughs> well that's
2: basically there was lots of oil on the shutter blades and and they were just sticking you know it didn't want to open or close particularly um, and that was the you know, that was the major issue really that was stopping it working as a camera
0: yeah but there's a, a the um... The at some point, it, it, it's long, long history because I'm not sure how old the Ishikama is, but I'm guessing it's a mm. 1960s. At some point, the camera had hit the deck and it's knocked the
2: yeah, one side of the focusing was, was out. Um, so so basically, it was almost working a little bit like a shift lens, the, the sort of focusing a little bit wobbly, um, but. It, you know it probably ends up a mil mil and a half out so you know the camera would still still work and function quite well but it it's how far you go with the camera before you know you, you start to um, spend a lot of money um yeah. and, and spare parts as well
0: yes absolutely Because I mean, that was the thing that i appreciated you got in touch with me and said look i've seen this but my advice would be to not fix it because um financially it's just not particularly viable. Yeah, I
2: mean it, like I say, once you once you start going down that rabbit hole, it's how far do you go, you know, how much how much work do you carry out on it before it you know it becomes more restoration than, than repair. Um and, and as you you know, you've tried the camera, it's working quite well now, you know, there's hmm, so right. it's a it's a you know it's a it's a workable camera. It's it's doing what it should. Um yeah, you could have spent a lot more money on it, but how far
0: do you go? So you mentioned there about um spare parts uh i was listening to um m on the classic lenses podcast uh, this week uh, and he was waffling along at great length about Hasselblads. and i'll be honest i tuned mm-hmm. out from about 50 percent of it <laughs> um, yeah. um but the one bit I, one of the parts i did definitely class was he was talking about the fact that um some Hasselblads can't be repaired now um Uh, Mm -hmm. and i'm guessing that this is largely i mean if this is Hasselblad themselves saying that these can't be repaired i'm guessing that this must be an issue of spare parts what is the current situation for cameras and spare parts and their availability
2: well to be honest with you um, when i started repairing a lot of cameras there were no spare parts available um and it's it's rare that you do need spare parts. um, But when you do, you know, there's lots of scrap cameras out there. um, And then you just, you just have to take parts from them. So to be honest with you, it would, it would be lovely to be able to order parts for cameras, but, you know, it's been a long, long time since you could do that. Um, So you you kind of have to think laterally, you know, think, what can you do? Um, But yeah, people like, People like Hasselblad. If you if you send a five hundred cm to them, they're not going to touch it. I I would be surprised if they would, would have touched it ten years ago. Um, you know, they they don't have the parts and they um, they won't use used you know used spare parts either.
0: Uh, with m- things like three D printing and and modern machining in yeah, well, yeah, is that perhaps going to make it slightly easier to? replace some parts that maybe at the moment are very difficult to get hold of
2: yeah i've been looking at that for quite a while thinking you know should i should i buy a 3d printer and try and experiment with some of these things because there are bits that would be nice rather than having to sort of make them the old-fashioned way if you could just 3d print um i know someone in america was making parts for kodak cameras um you know in in a similar way so yeah i think the future is going to be interesting from that point of view but it's you know, it, it, I suppose it's going to be parts that regularly wear out that, you know, there's a, a big demand for because um, it's probably quite a time consuming process to to make one, you know, specifically just one part. And that's it. You know, you want to make a few at once.
0: Sure. Yes. I suppose When they're, when they're very small, I, I know nothing whatsoever about 3D printing. I suppose it's somebody no, no. taking the time to make the designs of each of these yes. small parts. So, mm are there in your mind looking at this from the point of view of somebody who might be going out looking to buy a camera perhaps you know buy their first film camera or just you know out shopping in general because we all need more cameras <laughs> yeah. are there any cameras that, which you at this point would say yeah I maybe wouldn't pick that up because one it's more likely to go wrong than not and two when it does getting it repaired is now very difficult
2: um yeah i suppose it's, it's a lot a lot of it's down to price i mean it, my instant thought was can any cameras. i wouldn't spend your money on those um but then again you know you can pick up a, a cheap body you know five ten pounds yeah um so does it really matter if you buy it and it, it goes wrong because you can just buy another one um but long yeah long term i think most of the um plastic electronic cameras you know they're, they're dead in the water yeah um you know they've got, they haven't got long in them, um, unless someone um, very clever, you know, starts to to sort of get into them, repair them, and knows a lot about the circuitry. So there's not going to be many people that are going to do that.
0: I mean, I'm guessing that would hold equally true for things like the um, Canon One N, and I, I don't know what the the Nikon, um, but you know the the h- very high end last gen. Mm. Because um, those are still going for quite a lot of money, aren't they? I, mean, I know that they were very robustly built when they were built. You know, they were built to take an absolute yeah. pounding. Um, but I guess when they do go, um,
2: that will yeah. I mean, there's like I say it, it all depends on the who who is saving spare parts for these things. You know, if people are throwing them away when they're scrap. You know, if Canon um, service agents are chucking them in the bin. Um, You know, rather than you know saving the bodies, because you never know what you're going to need out out of a camera one day. You know, if if that's happening, then you know any any sort of possibilities to repair them in the future, we're going to be quite limited, I would say.
1: So, Lyndon, you just need a skip with all the parts, and don't you? It's like this. This is my skip where everybody puts all their old. Dead ghost cameras, yeah. so that you can go along I, and.
2: and I them. don't mind if people want to send me their broken cameras. Mm. That's fine, but my wife she will not be happy. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> yep. really the because they
2: do take up a lot of room.
3: Can I ask <laughs> a
1: quick question? Um, yeah. Are there any that you just didn't want to send back because you wanted to keep them all to yourself? Oh, <laughs> you partic- yeah, like particularly wonderful, lovely cameras, and you're like, ah, oh, damn it, I've got to send this one back. <laughs>
2: Well, um, oh, it was recently, yeah. Um, uh, I do some repairs for So Perfect Images in Plymouth, mm-hmm. um, and they had a quite a nice robot. I think it might have been a two A, um, a little clockwork half. Not well, it's not quite half frame. It's a kind of a square square image. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want to send that one back. To be honest with you, I've mm-hmm. always always liked those. See, so, yeah, little robot cameras. That I pro- I shouldn't buy any more cameras, but if I was going to. I'll probably buy one of those. Um, oh, I, I wish I'd kept the one that um, they sent me.
0: <laughs> yeah, sorry, it was no good. I uh, just threw it in. No, if
2: it's gone missing, I definitely haven't got it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, we should also mention that, obviously, we said you're not in London, but you didn't say, Graham, where, where, where he was. Oh, well, <laughs> where are you, you? you London?
2: <laughs> well, I'm in Devon in a little okay. town called Tiverton. It's, it's near Exeter. Um, so that's where I am. So if you if you're nearby, I'm you know come and see me. Bring me your camera, and I'll I'll have a look.
0: Or just do what I did and post it, which is also very. You
2: can, yeah, you can post it. Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. Yeah, all right. so. Uh, what were your recommendations? And we I asked you about the ones that which you would maybe be wary of. Um, what would you recommend as being a just an absolute bomb-proof camera? If you like, okay. This is going to be the least likely to let you down, and if it does let you down, then you know, two six-inch nails will get it back on the road again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, oh, I don't know. I suppose uh, Nikon FMs are quite reliable. Um, I would say a K one thousand, but to be honest with you, a lot of K one thousands have been um, abused by students over the years, so they're pro- <laughs> they're sort of getting on their last legs, really. So I don't know. Maybe a, a Pentax KM or even a Spotmatic something like that you know they'll go on forever they really will Um, yeah you you know there's no batteries running the the shutter so you could just use the Sunny 16 rule and away you go hooray (laughs)
3: excellent
2: (laughs) had to get that in there
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, so you know we started off this conversation talking about uh, the fact that there is this big you know gap with people not making new cameras yeah. um you're there repairing cameras for people when they go wrong. what are things that we as owners of cameras can be doing to help extend the life and the keep the functionality at its best of the cameras that we already have so that there are large gaps between us having to send them to you to be put right again
2: yeah i mean not using a camera doesn't do any good um mm you Know for this many is years, up.
3: yeah, yeah,
2: yeah and for many years, I mean, I'm guilty of it as well. Um, for many years, people collected cameras, um, um and they just put them on a shelf. Um, and quite often they get them serviced, they always wanted them working, um, but then they always put them on a shelf, which I always thought was a bit strange because you know, given a couple of years, the shutters would you know, um, start to seize up, um, you know, things like that, so um. You know, an in-between lens shutter, if you've got one of those, that's that's going to be where your problem is. Um, so, yeah, you, use your cameras. You know, if you are going to collect them and put them on shelf, you know, every once in a while, you know, fire far off off the camera on its slow speeds, things like that. Um, and that will certainly keep them going.
1: Um, Quick question about things like the Olympus trip um, yes. and what have you. Um, yes. Is that something that you are able to repair for, you yes. know, with the... Yeah, no,
2: no problem, yeah, yeah. The
1: light meter, okay, cool.
2: Because yeah, that's that's another what,
1: one that you know a lot of people would put them in a room you know facing a window and things and
2: what, yeah why would they do that yeah I know but this is a thing that people so, would so do so they get to see it, the suppose. view
1: yeah 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 exactly
2: yeah yep. there's a lot of um I, I, there's a lot of um, misinformation I would say on the internet about what you should do with cameras that don't work I mean some of it might work but it's certainly not going to work for long and it's you know it's not long you know it's it's not a a, a way of fixing it um so i mean there is good information out there but i think you've got to take it with a pinch of salt mm.
1: um somebody informed us that you should put it into the oven didn't they graham
2: yeah, I did yeah. Hear, on a low I heat did hear that, yeah. <laughs> i can i can imagine yeah that that's yeah an Olymp, olympus mu2 in the oven i will probably sort it out <laughs> i reckon <laughs> <laughs> i mean that that is one because
0: obviously the high-end point and shoots things like the olympus mu2 that you just mentioned and especially stuff like the contacts cameras and the nikon uh, whatever the expensive nikon is that uh, looks very fancy yeah. I can't um yeah. what what's the situation because they seem to be ones that the people are most concerned about um going wrong because of well, I guess, as you mentioned, electronics and also very fiddly stuff in there. What is the repair situation with stuff like that?
2: Well, I mean, there's there's definitely no parts available. So, it's in, you know, unless someone in China starts manufacturing the specific bits that go wrong, and I know on the contacts there, there are specific things that do go on them, um, unless someone starts making them, um, well, they're just going to be an, an expensive um, thing on your shelf, aren't they? i wouldn't i wouldn't buy one and i think the prices that these things go for are just crazy crazy um the t- the Ashika t4 it always makes me laugh when i see how much they go for i had one brand new and it was the worst camera i ever owned it was rubbish why was that <laughs> i don't know it was just rubbish absolutely rubbish but you know people like them you know mm. I, who am i to um to, you know, the lure of
1: celebrity right <laughs> I, don't,
2: I don't know i mean maybe i maybe i just got the duff one maybe that's what it was um but it was a lovely looking camera i thought yeah this is ice lens that would be brilliant it was about a hundred pounds brand new so it wasn't a lot of money really not yeah. back then um but i tried it and it was uh, it was i sold it again anyway
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> You obviously get to get your hands on a lot of different cameras and uh, over the many, many years of doing this, have got to really figure out the quirks and uh, little curiosities of, 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 I would imagine, probably almost everything out there. I know you said that when you first got into working at the camera shop, you weren't interested in photography yourself. You had a little Dixon's Mm. point and shoot. Do you shoot yourself now?
2: No, I don't.
0: Um, <laughs> you might avoid I that strength, completely.
2: Strangely enough, no, I don't. It's. It, I suppose it's one of those things when you're surrounded by cameras all the time, you don't really. It's not that you don't want to use them; you just don't feel that you, sh- you should. Um, I. I mean, I've got a digital Nikon D two hundred and a D eighty, um, and I used to have a, quite a few lenses, but I've sold them over the years because I don't use them. Um, but yeah f- I know you got you know you guys are really passionate about film photography mm-hmm. and I, and I think it's you know I think it's good I think it's great that it's it's coming back but I I'll be honest with you other than when I worked in Boots and a mini lab I'd never developed a film.
3: <laughs> I'm really pleased <laughs> to
1: know that at least you're there to help the rest of us fix ours, so <laughs> yeah, that is the important yeah. thing. <laughs> well, no,
2: it's good. It is good because you know for many years I I didn't repair cameras and I didn't really think about cameras, um, so if. You know, if people want cameras and want to use them and, you know, I can help them out, get them running and, you know, and and be useful, then then that's great.
0: And have you you never been tempted, though, just to go, I I probably ought to just see what, this is like from the other side. You never just goes,
1: Is it a bit like reading reading somebody else's book before you gift it to them, though? You know, like that feel of like, maybe I shouldn't do this. I might just open it and smell the pages because that's always quite nice. And then wrap it
2: up, and
1: send it on its way.
2: I never, no, I've never smelled the pages of someone's book before. <laughs> <laughs> Each to their own. Is
1: this just me, Graham? Have you?
2: I'm,
0: I, I know what you mean, Rachel. You I, know what I, I mean, do I do know you? what you mean.
2: Yeah. Good, <laughs> but no to be honest with you um, my daughter's 10 now and i have been thinking about um actually recently maybe i should you know go and buy a dev tank and some black and white film and some chemicals and kind of bluff my way through um showing her how to develop the film but i haven't i have never done it so i it literally would be bluffing my way through it
1: <laughs> ah, Lyndon, you know what you need to do you need to buy one of my analog adventure kits and then you can start with that and then she'll
2: well, get yeah. the
3: book Maybe, I mean, if you send me one, I'll, I'll certainly give it a try.
2: <laughs> but no, I I, I bought um, I bought a really cheap. Um, I shouldn't say, probably you, But I bought her a really cheap digital SLR um, to use because she was kind of showing a little bit of interest in photography. Um, and you know, yeah, I think probably I, I will um, give her one of my various cameras I've got kicking about. Um, get you know, get a dev tank, get some get some black and white film. Um, and you know, see if she is interested. I know she likes, um, you know, sort of science-y type things at school, so it might might be something she, you know she'd like to do. And of course, having grown up in a world where it, for her everything is digital, um, you know, it, it might be something you know she she would like to do.
0: Yeah, I think you should definitely get her in on it. Get her away from that ghastly digital nonsense.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, she has stopped using it, so you know. <laughs>
0: Now, I'm, I'm interested because it's something that we, it just in passing um, <laughs> came up when we were chatting before. I mentioned that we were, we were talking about uh, one of my cameras and the fact that the light meter had packed up in it, and I said, well, that's all right. Um, I, you know, I've got light meter app on my phone. I do also, I feel I should point out, I do own a um, proper uh, analog light meter as well, a new uh, Sikonic, whatever the nice analog one is. Um, but you seem to have... you." <laughs> You seem to not be a fan of the the concept of light meters on phone. Uh,
2: I think I think the concept of a light meter on a phone is very strange. I I don't understand it. (laughs) I mean, does it even work?
0: It works really, really well. What do you think about Mm. it? They they have to meter the light to take the pictures themselves. I mean, do you get like vintage light meters? Is that a thing that you can repair?
2: Um, you, you can, assuming that the um, if if they've got a selenium cell, it's, it's almost like a you know a, what's the word? Um, it, you know, it, it's basically like a solar panel, if you like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if 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 the selenium cell is um, is no good, lost you know lost its lost its juice, then that really is the end of it. Um, from actually, one of the first things I did when I started um, at CameraX. Um, the first first day they gave me um, a massive box full of Western light meters mm. and they said but bear in mind I didn't know what a light meter was they said you need to go through this box there was probably 200 in the in the box go through these work out which ones are working um, and label each one you know find out what faults were on them so I'm a, I'm a real fan of, of the Western light meter um, and there are only two things that went wrong with it' There's light cell, um, would be duff, or the meter needle got jammed, and they're lovely, lovely meters to work on. So if you've got one of those and it works, you know, use that. Don't use, don't use your
4: mobile phone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I, I, I do have a really nice um, light meter. The only problem with my light meter is because it is the sort of a, a, uh, an old-fashioned needle match one, although it's a new yeah, light yeah. meter, is that it just doesn't do low light at all. Um, you know, I don't know what the lowest lux it'll go down to but it kind of like, okay, it's bottomed out now and um, I really could do with getting something
2: that's going to handle... Um, oh, you just get yourself a Western, that's
0: what you need. We, well, I mean, how low will they meter down to? They'll
2: go pretty low, yeah. I mean, how, what sort of exposures are you...
0: I mean, just dark, flat out dark. I what, pitch,
2: pitch, not, <laughs> night photography. astronomy. I'm not, not going to cope with astronomy.
0: <laughs> I want to be able to point my camera at a distant galaxy, and I want my meter to tell me exactly what I need <laughs> to get the correct uh, exposure.
1: I, I've actually got a a B light meter, which is the one where you actually oh, use the paper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't suppose yeah. you've got any refills for that, have you, Lyndon?
2: No. Do you know? I've <laughs> I've seen them. Um, I don't think I've ever picked one up and, and and looked at it, but they're they're really they're really lovely things, aren't they? They are no, they're I,
3: lovely. How lovely. Do they, how
2: do they work?
1: Um, I'm not entirely sure <laughs> because um, <laughs> because basically, well, I think basically you have um, paper that you expose a certain amount of this paper through this tiny sort of like little hole and um on half of this hole you can see a color and the idea is that you kind of time it so i mean we're talking like literally like sheets of paper that you would refill it with if you like and um when you open up you sort of like twist it so that you can so part of that refilled paper is being exposed to light and you time how long it takes for it to change from the color that it is to the color that matches the other half of the circle and that will then give you a way of working out the equation for how long you know for your for your exposure um so in terms of the science of that i really love it because obviously it's definitely to do with the chemistry as well as you know the maths and what have you but the paper itself um, is obviously what you need to use as your starting point so um, so yeah we just don't have the refills for them anymore of course I don't know exactly how they were produced in the first place or or what wow. it is exactly but I've got um. Yeah. There must be,
2: I bet there's somebody out there making them. There, there, there's bound to be somebody. Quite
1: possibly, yeah, um, yeah. So, but they're re- they're really beautiful. They're they're extremely analog. They're like extra analog, shall we say?
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I th- I always thought they were an extinction meter um, where you know they use um, numbers um, with um, varying degrees of density. So you sort of look through You look through a little hole or something, and then whichever number you can see, you match it yeah. up to a chart.
1: The, the uh, well the b meter that i've got doesn't do that i'm sure that there are other meters that do that but uh but yeah this this particular one yeah it's you you kind of you can twist it in two parts so you to line it up if you like um yeah. and when you do it's that like it's it it like a little watch isn't it it is It looks like a bit like a fob watch yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's really nice but yeah sorry that was a little bit off the point but <laughs> Ooh, <awesome>. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: It would be silly of us not to ask, seeing as this is show 110, what Ooh. about the slightly more unusual format? So things are clearly like 110 film, um, Polaroid mm. cameras, uh, you know, the the um, SX-70 in particular, I know it's a very sought-after camera. Um, yeah. What's the state of play with stuff like that?
2: Um, your normal sort of um, Polaroid 600, you know, the plastic they made millions of. I mean, if they go wrong, I'm pretty sure, you know, it's a job. Um, and There's certainly enough of them out there that I don't think, you know, it'd be a problem. But the SX-70, and you mean the sort of folding? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Folds yeah. flat. I've had a few of those in the past. So I, I sell cameras as well when I get offered them. Um, i would had a couple of those recently. Um, and they're, they're quite interesting cameras, but I don't know if anyone, you know, certainly there's no spare parts for them. And I, I'm not 100% sure if there's anyone repairing them. I think um, the, the, the people that run the Impossible Project, don't they refurbish
0: them, I think? I think they um, the people behind Mint, I think, refurbish them on behalf of Impossible. There, I, I think uh, there, are, there are a few places. I don't know if there's anybody in this country. I know in no. the States, um, Brooklyn Film Camera is the mm-hmm. uh, very well-known place that deals with them. And um, I, I know that certainly Mint cameras, that's how they got started or at least certainly in the early days were going was um refurbishing these sx 70s and, and making them good and now they're making them like super powered yeah. ones um, well i mean like,
2: i they're lovely cameras i always like them um yeah really really nice yeah. and i I, you know, I love the fact that people are producing the, the the coverings for them in different um you know different patterns and things i think that's awesome you know because they do they, they wear out so why not replace it with something a bit a bit you know a bit nicer
1: but they're not a camera that you would necessarily repair yourself. They're no. not one that you tend right? No, there's,
2: there's, there's mm. two types of repairs. There's repairs that, you know, the public send me, which I'm, you know, I have to be a little bit more careful with than, you know, my own um, stock, if you like. You know, if I buy a camera and it's not something I particularly know very well, um, you know, I'll, I'll, you know I'll, I will give it a go and have a look. But there is a high possibility I might break it.
0: sounds like me (laughs) we're basically exactly the same um
2: yeah i mean so yeah i I, you know i've repaired very you know lots of cameras over the years um too many to remember probably different types but it's how how far you go with a repair and what exactly it needs you know if it's a leica m6 that needs a shutter definitely don't send that to me um if it's a leica m6 that's not you know or maybe not an M6. You know, if you've got a like that's not working quite right and you just want a bit of advice, want me to check it over, um, I'm more than happy to do that. But if you want, you know, you want to repair on it, I would prefer, whatever it might be, that you got it looked at by the best person for that camera. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not someone that wants to sort of delve in and, you know, I, I'll give it a go, but you might get a bag of bits back. <laughs> <laughs> you Is know, that, send yourself to me if you want that. <laughs> you should see my scrap bin but that's another story <laughs> <don't like> that. <laughs> but yeah i mean yeah I'd, I'd love to give you a list of you know what cameras i can repair and what cameras i can't but i th- you know there's sort of gray areas in between um i mean someone contacted well someone posted a picture on twitter recently as uh, do you know stig stig of the dump
0: yes of course yes yeah.
2: So he, he posted a picture of his Minolta XD7 that he dropped, and he was really upset about it. He bent the rewind, um, re, you know, the rewind um, part of it.
1: Oh, dig. Um, oh, yeah. I feel terrible.
2: Oh yeah, I, I, I you know, I was look, looking on Twitter. Somebody must have retweeted or something. And I, I said, oh, that's no problem. I'm pretty sure I've got one of those in in the scrap bin, in the bag of bits. Um, you know, I'll send you the bits. You know, I, I think I only asked him for the postage, but he. He, he didn't want to do it really, and he kind of made me. He, <laughs> he said, Ooh, "He sort of twisted my arm. Would you like to repair it?" So <laughs> yeah, yeah, more than happy, you know, to have a look. Um, and that was fine, you know. But I wouldn't say I was an expert on Minolta XD7s, um, with a lot of electronics in them, and they're a little bit like um, Spaghetti Junction. You know, there's a of, <laughs> there's a lot of snakes and wires in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah so um before we come to the break i want to ask you just a couple of things just to kind of bring us back around to where we started with this the first thing is looking back to what um andy church said last week about the fact that there's millions of cameras out there and uh, you know there's plenty out there for people to shoot and use do you think that 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 we should feel okay about the state of of play with cameras at the moment do you think that actually yes there are enough out there and that most of them are in a condition that will keep going or do you think we are going to start to reach a tipping point where things are just going more things are hitting the the junk pile than not
2: yeah i think there is a there's there's definitely a problem there um most cameras that i see um i say i do buy cameras and people come to me and they you know that's mostly what what i see coming through the door doesn't work i'd say 99 percent of things don't work it's very rare to find a camera that doesn't need something doing to it um you know i don't really count seals as a, a major problem you know that's an easy relatively easy thing to sort out but there's always something not quite right whether it be the light meter battery corrosion whatever so and there's no you know there aren't there aren't new people coming through that repair cameras. You know, I don't have an apprentice here that I can pass, you know, knowledge on to.
1: How about uh, your children? You see, I was going to say, get them into the workshop. Give them uh, ten years; they'll be ready to go.
2: <laughs> you know, mainly, I'm, not, I'm not sure I trust them with it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that would be nice. But I, you know, there's there's not there's not enough, um, and there's unfortunately, you know, as we said at the beginning of you know the show, that many people have retired, um, and quite a, you know quite a few have sadly passed away. Um, I know two have recently that, you know, that uh, one's, one's passed away, one's retired, um, and that those skills are lost, you know, if you're yeah. not passing them on, they're lost, um, and it's not just a matter of, you know, well oh, try and fix a camera, because there's a lots of specialist tools that go go with repairing cameras, you know, you can't just have a couple of screwdrivers and away you go, so yeah, it's a bit of a worry, you know, Some, yeah. something needs to happen.
0: Are you in contact with it, or have you been in contact with any of the other people out there repairing
2: a little bit yeah it's certainly my area um it's quite a small community the, re- the repair community so you know you if you don't necessarily know know them you know of them um actually in a couple of weeks time i'm, I'm going to visit um a lady whose husband sadly passed away a couple of years ago and he was um you know a very very experienced repairer um a chap called tony enifer um so I'm going to visit her, and see if the, you know if there's anything tool-wise left. You know that they might be able to pass on. Yeah, um, a lot of these things get lost. as I say it's
0: yeah, people don't know what they're yeah. looking at, and so it's like, well, this is yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. It, I mean that that loss of knowledge really is the biggest worry because. Once it's gone, it's gone. I mean, that's that simple. When the, the information in a lot of cases now exists only in in people's heads, and yeah, um, yeah. Oh, well, you you need so, to start. You need to start hustling everybody, um, Lyndon. Just start saying, okay, <laughs> "We we need to put together a project," and then we need to go around before everybody doesn't like. I don't know. <laughs> somehow get all of this stuff codified. And, yeah. um,
2: well, maybe- I mean, if any if anyone is interested, in you know, I'm more than happy to you know pass information on you know i'm not i'm not going to keep things a secret from people you know just you know if you if you've got a camera you know you want it looking at or you're interested in repairs you know drop me a line
0: that sounds awesome well we'll take a break now before we do Lyndon, where can Mm. people find you so they can get their cameras whether it's light seals whether it's you know completely buggered as most of the things (laughs) are um yeah yeah
2: you know well you can find me on twitter um at londinium cameras um well it might be camera i'm not sure but if you type <laughs> if you type if you type that in there's only one idiot with that name and that's me but i'm not in london okay it, there's no
1: s on it by the way
2: there's <laughs> not. i just looked there's and there one. isn't is there yeah oh, no. that's no good
0: <laughs> um <laughs> the one floor and an otherwise perfect name
2: yeah but if you search, if you search for londinium cameras put it in google i'm the i'm the one that comes up and I'm in. I'm in Devon, so you can get hold of me there. But I'm, I'm sure you'll you'll post a few links with you for me.
0: We certainly will. We certainly. Will. And yeah. you've got a website as well, haven't you? And you actually, you've recently redone your website, haven't you?
2: I have. I'm, I will be redoing it again. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I'm not quite sure what the what the web address is.
1: <laughs> it's Londinium Cameras with an S.wordpress.com.
0: That's
2: it. Thanks. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. There you go. And
0: and you also have some links there because you have actually got some cameras for sale as well on there, haven't you?
2: Yes, I I do sell a few through eBay, although I may be moving that over um, to WordPress. But need something I need to look into.
0: Perfect. Well, there you go, listeners. Um, If, like myself, you find yourself needing to get something seen to, uh, and you're in the UK, then give Lyndon a call um, because he was very very helpful and it was very nice and easy to get things sorted and i am currently looking at a backlog of stuff you know most of which are functioning cameras with just things that need doing so like my olympus om1 i would just really like to just get that service and i want to get uh, i know that the battery that they, they am i right in saying um the the modern batteries are not quite the right voltage in the om1 um, no, that's
2: right well that's fine send that to me and I'll, i can do a little conversion in there um Davey. so it drops the voltage Davey. um so it will work correctly
0: perfect and i've got a little i've got a ql 17 that needs light seals doing which i got halfway through well, doing that and then cover kind of rat steve on that
2: I've yeah got... see nobody likes doing light seals i mean <laughs> I, I i love doing light seals no i really do
0: you must just enjoy doing really... It's, it's the fiddly nature of the work. But, um, yeah, so there's also... So I'm basically going to be on and off sending cameras to Linden probably for the <laughs> rest of time um, at current rate. Um, but if you've got stuff too, then give them a shout. Because, uh, like I said, it's great knowing that somebody out there. And, and also, if you know somebody else in your area who is uh, working with and uh, repairing cameras, you know, uh, we need to figure out some way to start getting some of this knowledge saved... Anyway, we'll take a quick break now and when we come back, we will talk about <laughs> some other camera repairs that have been going on, which are not quite as elegantly <laughs> done as Lyndon's, as well as some of Lyndon's favourite cameras which Rachel's come by. We'll be back in Ooh. just a second. Goodbye!
3: And, the the
0: and we're back um rachel and i have both been very lucky this last week we have both come into possession of more fine fine cameras um amongst many other fun <laughs> things we've been up to um so rachel what have you been up to this last week and what have you got your grubby little mitts on
1: so um, yeah, this this week marks one whole year of me being a co-host on the Sunny Sixteen podcast. Yay! Yay! <laughs>
3: and the
0: better we have been for having you here, right?
1: Oh, that's so sweet. Um, it's uh, well, I can tell because clearly a- Aid's over the moon. He's run away <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> <off> on holiday.
0: <laughs> well, that is exactly where we're better for you being here because it means that Aid can go on holiday and then I don't end up going. Um, oh, yeah by
1: myself yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so it's been one hell of an adventure i think is probably the best way of putting it and uh and it's been it's been delightful i've absolutely loved it um and uh, and i'm really pleased to be here so uh so here's to the next next year or or what have you so uh, yeah it's been great so That has been this week and I've also been busy getting everything ready for my second batch of Analog Adventurers kits because they are now up on Etsy. So yay, that's really nice to know that first lot are gone, sold out. So uh, I've been busy making up the next batch. And um, I also had through the post um, very generously from Andre, um, who co-hosts the Negative Positives podcast um, with with Mike. Uh, He sent over from Sinistil, where he's currently doing his internship, um, one of the first batches of the monobath, and said, oh, if you could have a go, test it out, try it, give us your feedback, let me know how you get on. That would be great. So I processed my first roll uh, with that, which was which was awesome and uh, so quick. I, um, I normally do inversions, to be honest, when I'm processing, uh, but this time because it was four minutes for the development for this well for everything mm-hmm. develop stop and fix obviously with it being a monobath um I thought okay four minutes is not going to be enough time for me to pour it in get the lid on tight <laughs> do the inversions and get the lid off and pour out <laughs> so I'll uh I'll use the stick instead um but it didn't quite clear completely doing that so I think from chatting to Andre he'd said actually best thing to do is to they recommend to do it as inversions so I'll know for my next my next roll uh but I was really pleased actually with how they came out and um I'd got everything set up ready and I thought oh it's 20 minutes till tea I'll uh, I'll do the development after after I've eaten my tea um and then I got too excited and was like oh well it's four minutes I might as well just do it now so uh we just went for it and and then did a rinse and was like oh my god I've got I've got shots <laughs> I've got some eggs so put them up to um put them up to dry hung them up to dry and uh before I went to bed I would got you know scans done and everything which is you know a first for me i think <laughs> um getting getting through my backlog that quickly okay. uh, so uh, yeah very impressed can i ask mm. some
0: questions about small one because i'm fascinated by this um so what what film i can't were... guarantee to answer that's I, all right I, I... <laughs> just, just, just what <laughs> okay. film were you developing in it rage uh yes
1: yeah, so i was developing hp5 HP. uh, plus yeah nice and trusty i thought first time i'm trying something new it's probably best to sh- to use one of the roles that i'd sort of shot as a um, more like snapshots shall we say yeah.
0: yeah yeah and um and what temperature were you developing at is this just at room temp
1: yes yeah, so, uh, it was it worked out because obviously it's very warm at the moment um it worked out at 73.5 f fahrenheit
0: yep yeah. um do we use Fahrenheit in this country? You just confuse we me We don't, completely. but
1: it, because it was on, uh, the label actually on the monobath um, was given in temperatures of Fahrenheit, but I have a, a thermometer that gives me both. So I just switched it to Fahrenheit because I, I was like, okay, I've got five minutes, <laughs> literally. So uh, yeah. And, instructions.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you were saying, so um, it was only four minutes developing time. And is that constant agitation for that?
1: So on the label, I don't want to give the wrong information, but on the label, um, it gave you um, slightly different times between sort of um, uh, three three minutes or three and a half minutes and six minutes for development stop and fix time
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, at the various different temperatures. So if it was at this degrees Fahrenheit, it would be four minutes. If it was at this degrees, it would be five minutes, et cetera. Um, and the question you asked me, Graham, was, sorry, go on. <laughs>
0: Um, the agitation is it constant agitation or
1: so so depending on the temperature um and depending on the length of time um it was also dependent on whether it's constant agitation or whether it's intermediate or whether it's minimal so uh for the temperature that i had it at it said four minutes um at between you know 70 between 70 and 75 degrees i think it was uh fahrenheit um with intermediate agitation so i agitated for the first 30 seconds and then left it and then did 15 seconds of agitation each minute
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. um and you said that when you were finished that it hadn't quite cleared uh, the fix hadn't quite cleared stuff away so what what did you do uh, yeah, so
1: basically, I'd I hadn't realised that that was the case. Um, so I'd um, obviously hung them up. Got oh, fantastic! It looks great. Uh, hung them up to dry, and then cut them and scanned them, and then and then went oh, there's a slight, there's a slight like yellowy tinge like that went across the length of the film.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so when I spoke to Andre, he said, oh, it's probably that it's not cleared quite properly and that's when i was like is this my agitation technique i wasn't sure um and and that was when he said actually we recommend that that you do it as inversions to make sure that obviously because it's such a quick um process um that the chemicals are properly mixed and that you're actually really getting it across all of the film Mm -hmm. so um so that's where he said you know maybe go for uh, go for inversions next time rather than using sick um so, you- so, sorry so to in order in order to um rectify that he said you can just put the the cut um negs into just normal fix uh and that will sort it
0: yeah so you're mm-hmm. definitely gonna do that then
1: i am i am absolutely yeah
0: <laughs> um so with this are you just like mixing up a batch using it for this one film and then chucking it that's the way this stuff works right um i get
1: 16 rolls with this oh right uh, so don't have to mix it it's it's literally in a one liter um uh jug tub sort of thing bottle that it comes in and um and yeah you basically just measure out how much you need obviously depending on whether you're you're processing one film or two films of 35 mil shall we say um in terms of uh, surface area uh andre said it's the same so one roll is classed as one roll of 35 mil or one roll of 120 yeah um, and you get up to 16 uses of um, of that same chemical, of that same liquid, um, it, before it will be, you know, extinguished, shall we say. Yeah. Or exhausted. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What do you normally use for developing your black and white stuff?
1: For my developing, I usually use the powdered um, Ilford ID11 mm-hmm. for my developer. Yep, and then a uh, Ilford stop and a the Ilford Rapid Fix is what I usually use.
0: So the big question: Ooh. the results. How do they compare? Because you've shot and scanned and developed a lot of stuff. What yeah. are your thoughts on this now you've actually been through the process?
1: Uh, it's, as I've only processed one film so far with the Monobath, it's difficult to say. Especially because I didn't um, it didn't clear properly. You know, and that was mm-hmm. down to my fault of it not being agitated properly so the only thing that i noticed so far has been that the substrate itself seemed to have a bit more of a pinkish tinge than when i've um processed using the ilford id11 yeah um so i don't know whether that again is to do with the fact of the clearing and maybe the agitation technique that i've used or whether that's just the difference in terms of the developer in terms of the the bath the processor that i'm using yeah yeah so i'll need to do a few more i think before i can sort of give a bit more of a, a a breakdown on that and obviously it again it might be to do with hp5 plus being the one that i've used so i'm looking forward to trying it also with you know some hp4 that i've got um already shot and sitting there in my backlog um and i've got that role of p30 as well yeah. So uh, I, I mentioned that to Andrea. And obviously, I shoot with Cosmo Photo as well, and I've got my Foma Pan and what have you. So um, I asked about those two, and they're in the middle of um, putting together some more resources for some of the slightly lesser shot ones, like the P thirty, etc. So I'm I believe sure he's testing P30 that in. out. Yeah. So um, so he said that they were in the middle of testing that out anyway. So cool. yeah. So, awesome. there we go.
0: Well, keep us updated on that, Rachel. Thanks, Yeah. Um, and uh, you got some um, cameras this week.
1: I did get some cameras this week and I've just been to <laughs> write down the list of the cameras that I got. <laughs> um, so uh, these are some uh, donations from um, from somebody that I know who was like, actually, I probably won't use these. And, you know, if you can make use of them, then great. So that's really lovely. Um, I have now I'm now the proud owner of uh, Zenit E in mm. silver and black. So, Ooh. I have two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I've worked out why he gave them to you. Uh-huh.
1: Um, uh huh. A Zenit TTL.
3: Uh,
1: a uh, Rico uh, KR10.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Ah. Yeah. Uh, I love these uh, sound effects. They're Thank very you very good. much. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, a- have any of these cameras been good yet, Lyndon? No. So-
1: Super <laughs>
3: super camera,
1: <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Um, a Polaroid 120. There was no sound effect, I yeah, was we, we were all waiting. Before... Oh, oh, damn. I'm, I'm,
2: I'm wrecking my brain. Polaroid, I don't know
1: what that is. It, it's a it's huge sort of bellows. Um, uh, it? is it the brown one? It's uh, black and silver. This one, mm. mm-hmm. um,
0: yeah. Graham, is, is was that, there a response? Is is that one of the ones that shoots the role film? I'm
1: not sure yet. I'm not sure. I think it probably is. Um <laughs> I, I need to do a bit more yeah. checking up on that. I just went, oh, that's amazing. It looks it looks fab.
0: Yeah. I think I you can doubt do with those, I think.
1: Oh, can you? Okay, cool. So. Cause uh mm, well, you're the man to speak to about that. <laughs> we'll come on to that in just a moment. Um <laughs> and last but not least, there is an Ilford sportsman yay
0: everybody needs if you have Ilford one sportsman. of those yeah i'm pretty sure i do they're, Six of those. <laughs> they're, 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 they're cool I, I i really like those little sort of 1950s 60s point mm-hmm. and shoots things like yeah. the deal for sportsman and the Agfa for and the um kodak um
1: she gave me an Agfa for actually so i yeah. have that on the shelf and i've now got the oldford sportsman to sit next to it looking cute
0: yeah, Same. they're lovely old cameras, those. I can't bother code that one's called now. Even though I've got two of them sat on the shelf for I me, mean, but they're too far away <laughs> for me to reach. Um no, that's yeah. awesome.
1: So that's that's what I've been up to this week, and those are the donations I had. Oh, and last but not least, um, Saturday saw me um, delivering my first hen party workshop. So that was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, we made um, cyanotype, sun prints, bunting, bookmarks, samples, all sorts of fun things, and, and uh, had to go with the instant cameras. So uh, the, the ladies had a lot of fun, and uh, I even got half a glass of bubbles to go with it, which is really nice. Very nice. generous of them.
0: <laughs> were, you making, were you making penis cyanotypes? I'm guessing that. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Come on, Graham. I mean, <laughs> great. Here's a thanks.
3: Pie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah, well, you, you've totally thrown me now. I, I, I mean, I, how, how do I follow that? Really. Um, let's let's talk about your hacker hackerthon. I was going to say, but maybe not hackathon. Your um, Franken monster. <laughs> camera that you've, crea- that you've created Graham what have you been up to this week
0: uh, okay so yeah I mean the thing that I'm most excited to talk about we mentioned last week that my um, jolly look had turned up and I shot a pack of films through it and I talked about that and um, and uh, it's been interesting, actually, this week. I know, I know you haven't yet, Rach, but I know a couple oh. of other people. Um, I've
1: seen them. I keep seeing it popping up on Instagram and, and on Twitter. And I'm like, "Where's mine?" <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. Said, yeah. Um, and it's interesting to see that a, a few other people are running into some of the same snags. Mm-hmm. Um, I know mm-hmm. that uh, Emily on Twitter was mm-hmm. talking about the fact that um she's really struggled to get the film to eject the the um protective sheet in front I don't know whether she ever uh, she succeeded with that um, and um, Hilary was, was it talking, your
1: advice jamming a knife
0: yes yes it was <laughs> okay uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that's your advice as
2: well Lyndon presumably <laughs> it's exactly what I was going to say yeah
0: um, and I know that Hilary got hers and um, she was talking about the fact that it, much like I did it took her a few shots to uh, actually get anything out of it um, but you know like I said people get in there and people are um, I think after experimentation starting to get some fun results with it um anyway as i mentioned last week i was half thinking about the idea of uh, maybe slightly taking mine apart and doing something else with it and mm-hmm. i actually did that this weekend um i dug my lubital my beloved lubital, <laughs> 166 universal mm-hmm. um out of whatever hole i'd thrown that into and i removed i want to say at the beginning no cameras were actually harmed in the making of this thing although you wouldn't think it's to look <laughs> at it um so it's i don't believe
1: i don't believe that for a second
0: it's true <laughs> i mean until i lose the parts for the lubatel at which point it'll never go back to what it was but um on the jolly look the so you've got this cardboard camera and then in the back of it is this plastic unit with a handle which is the bit that holds the instax mini and you, you know handle wines and it orgasex it's all one self-contained unit so um I I, I I tucked away under my bed i knew they'd be useful one day i had these boxes left from when i bought my digital camera many years ago that the lenses came in and they were about nearly the right size for those to go into and they were all black inside okay this is great and i had some foam in as well so i'm not very patient even though i never have the tools so quite a lot of this was... There was a lot of cutting and um, poking holes and things, and quite a lot of it was done with the kitchen, a slightly blunt kitchen knife trying oh to cut through this very <laughs> thick cardboard. <laughs> there was a lot of mess made. Um, Blood? Uh, uh Amazingly enough, no. Um, oh, I
1: am amazed. <laughs> but the end
0: result is that I have um, affixed uh, very elegantly, <laughs> very, very elegantly, the, um, the Instax back, onto my Lubitel. Um and it oh, works. the main thing it works, yeah. Um arguably better than either the Lubitel <laughs> <laughs> or the Jolly look did. Now there is one slight issue which I have to face to. So because the um uh Instax back the sort of the, the bit where the film sheet sits there's a little a ridge of plastic in front of it so there's a limit to how close I could get the sheet of film to the back of the mm. Um to the rolls um, so there's about I don't know I guess maybe about five millimetres difference uh, which is quite a lot yeah with- <laughs> So, ostensibly, uh, what that's done is meant that um, it's become much more of a macro camera now. <laughs> but uh, when it's um, set to focus at infinity, it's perfect for shooting headshots. Um, <laughs> now, obviously, I can't quite, I can't focus. So, you know, I had to do it a bit by judgment. So you because the focusing just doesn't. Isn't right with the camera at all. You know what, what you see in focus is not what you're going to get. Um, it took me a few shots to kind of. Uh, what I ended up doing after taking the first couple of shots and going, "Oh, everything is quite blurry." I took a shot along a line of a fence so I could uh, at infinity, so I could see how much was going to be in focus and how much wasn't.
1: That's very clever. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very impressed. Down by there it.
0: for dancing, um, but now I kind of know. Well, okay, it, uh, head and shoulders is about right in focus. So if I get somebody's head and shoulders in there, um, and, yeah, it works really nicely. And, of course, you know, it's got a glass lens in there and it's got full manual controls. Um, the only thing that it doesn't work terribly well is if the light's really bright because it's 800-speed film and the Lubitel mm. only goes up to 250 um, shutter speed. Um, but, no, it, it leaks light less than it did when it was just the Lubitel. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's certainly getting more consistent results than I was ever getting out the jolly look. Um, so I'm yeah quite pleased. I mean, it's like actually, it is a hunchback monstrosity that I've created. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is just held together with a lot of electrical tape. Um, That's what I
1: was going to ask. What kind of tape have you been using? Was it the, like the paper one as well? The like matte version?
0: No, no, just 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 a good old electrical tape. Okay, um, right. Because I, I didn't need to tape up the inside, fortunately, because that was black already. So that was quite. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. And, <laughs> and um, because the, there was foam in the box, I just cut the foam into chunks to um, try and uh, to sort of pad it all out. Um, but yeah, I'm quite sounds sp- quite cozy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, it's it's less wobbly than I thought. It, cause the, it was very when it I sort of made the back bit kind of to like okay well that's sort of working that's basically holding together uh and then it was about attaching the back to the camera and that was proving to be really difficult i thought well this is never going to work but then somehow it just kind of did and now it seems all right so um yeah i'm i'm very pleased with that uh my first um not complete disaster of a thing that i've made so uh yeah pretty good pretty good um i've put um pictures up on instagram of some of the shots i've taken with it and um this weekend coming i've got a family party and i'm absolutely going to take this camera and get <gasps> like headshots to everybody, so that should actually be-
1: you'll be the bell of the ball
0: i bro. absolutely will be it's great it's-
1: <laughs> i feel like we should get you kind of like you know like a brownie patch you know your first camera hack maker thing yeah absolutely. <laughs> it's like I-, I completed the challenge Hooray! Yeah.
3: I-,
0: I made a thing that functions bad <laughs> yeah it's because because it, you've got the Lubitel now it's a Lubitel with a windy handle on the side. It's, it's very steampunk. It's very so what's steampunk.
1: your new name for it?
0: Uh, the Jalubitel.
1: Oh, I love it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's well done. yeah. I, like I said um, I, I think the. I mean, apart from the fact that it's very difficult to put anywhere because it doesn't have a flat surface anywhere to sit down. With. <laughs> <laughs> all...
1: Well, you see, maybe that just means you have to just carry it around on your shoulder the whole time, yeah. and uh, it will be your most used camera of 2018. <laughs> maybe
3: it will,
0: Rach. Maybe it will. Um, I did actually pick up well as you got some cameras this week. I also picked up mm. some cameras this week. This is getting a bit like the classic lenses podcast where they just get a ton of stuff every week and. To go, oh, I got bought this and this and this. Yeah, and but this. I
1: didn't buy these, well, and I, you spent out hard-earned money. I on did, these. I so. did.
0: I um, there's an antiques place near me that I pop into fairly Uh-oh. regularly, just <laughs> on, on the off chance they might have something. And they never do. Um, they almost never do. Although o- over the years, I picked up a few bits from there. Um, you know, but it's few and far between. Anyway, I called in this week, and my eye was instantly drawn to a Voigtlander Brilliant, which mm. is this um, 1932 faux TLR. Um, it, and uh, it's a bit battered, um, but it's very cute. And the shutter mm-hmm. still works perfectly. And it just needed a good clean. Um, and, you know, it's, it's in perfect working order. So, oh, yeah, cool. I yeah, need that. I don't have one of those, and it definitely wants <laughs> to come home <laughs> with me. Um and then I spotted on oh, say somebody they obviously just got some f- photography stuff in uh, a really cool um, Sun 600 I think Oof, something like that. anyway um, the sort of the cool looking boxy Polaroid with the rainbow stripe on it uh, mm. and very
1: very what eighties I suppose that would be yeah is it early? Early? Uh, yeah. Than 90s, yeah, early yeah rather nineties yeah yeah definitely
0: earlier. Um, but it looked super cool, and it still had an empty pack of film in there with battery. And it's like, oh, this lights up. Get shutter fires, great. So that like, well, I have to have that too. So like, well, that's quite good. Uh, and then, <laughs> well, I'd already thought, well, I'm spending quite a lot of money, but that's okay. Not not that either of them were expensive. You know, they were both quite. I think the, I think the Polaroid was like six quid, and the um, Voigtlander was fifteen pounds. I think. Oh. Um, I know, I know. it's still
1: within cheap shots challenge range that exactly, though exactly
0: exactly then i spotted um a Flexoret uh <laughs> which i was like oh that looks quite nice too i've not come across a flexorette before at all um this is no a... i
1: had no idea what that was go on tell us about it so
0: it's a tlr from uh Czechoslovakia. Um, and uh, this particular one is the Mark VI, I think. I'm not sure when it was built. You you were saying, Lyndon, that um, they were made by yeah. Meopta. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so,
2: uh, yeah, yeah. Good, good, very good cameras. Um, you don't see them very often. Um, yeah, you, you've picked up a good one there.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah. It's,
1: that it's, wasn't six pounds, but it wasn't ridiculous, was it?
0: No, that's the, it wasn't ridiculous. I think I paid twenty eight pounds for that. Um, <laughs> that's good, that's good. Like, yeah, it, it, it was just sort of the combination of all of them it was like, well, this is... got. But I couldn't leave any of them there. So um, <laughs> leave
1: no man behind. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then I just had to deal with the fallout when Sinead finally did find out.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you find out? You've not managed uh, to hide it. Oops. It
0: was the Instagram post that really killed that one for me. <laughs> Should have not done that, <laughs> but couldn't couldn't not share them. But uh, yeah so i'm very lucky with those they're already good and um, i'm looking forward to trying uh, all of those cameras out actually um but at the moment uh yeah i'm just most excited about the <laughs> because it's it's just quite nice seeing what that you know what instax mini can do um mm. when it's shot through a half decent lens and um, a
1: beautifully and- crafted um camera that you've created
0: yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, this is definitely going to be a Kickstarter for the future. I mean, you know. I, <laughs> <laughs> All
1: like, the orders are flooding in already,
0: aren't they? <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be, when you think about it, I mean, you know, here we go. We've got a full manual control, a glass lens. I mean, is there any point in Mint continuing developing their RF70? Probably not. I mean, <laughs> I kind of done it already. It's like, you know, <laughs> day late and dollar short, guys, but, you no, know, nice try, so.
3: Um, I use, am genuinely impressed
2: If you use Velcro, you could have an interchangeable back system, could <gasps> you? Some black, oh. black, nah, that's black Velcro. <laughs> it's not that's not
0: a bad idea. That's not a bad
2: idea. The retail price just went up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. The Mark <laughs> That's II. the add-on. I do have another Lubitel. No, I've, uh, maybe. From... No, 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 no. <laughs> 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 I do have uh, another carbon. Um, you know, uh, th- these jolly looks... Um, I definitely think that anybody who's interested in doing a bit of makey stuff, you could definitely look at the Jolly Look as an um, Instax mini-back uh, waiting for a home that comes with its own, like, oh, here's something you could do with it body. <laughs> That's a good way of looking <laughs> at the Jolly Look, I think. Like, um, you buy it for the back that you could use to do all sorts of interesting things with, uh, and it's got a, um, an, a an example of what you could do body with it. Uh, and then maybe you, you're... Um,
1: and you keep it for the pleasure of what you can create as a maker yourself.
0: Exactly. Well, even when I backed it on Kickstarter, that was definitely in my mind. It's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. uh, is that they're doing a thing I could definitely I could definitely break this and take the back out of it." And that's exactly what <laughs> happened, and I'm very happy with that. I'm very happy. Um, well, the- we'll take another quick break now um, before we come back because we've got a lot of emails to get through this week so brace yourselves listeners but there are lots of good ones Um, and what we will do is in the break we will include by by, um, popular demand part two of Eric's adventures uh, because he sent us another dose through so we will drop that into the
4: break here hey sunbeams Uh, this is Eric conspiracy of cartographers coming to you once again from my little travels across the, uh, the US uh, since my last uh, since I last talked to you guys my trip has changed quite a bit uh, before uh, there was a lot of open land, and a lot of ruins, and a lot of natural beauty along the way. It was, it was beautiful, but now, not but now, but and now, um, I'm moving more town to town. In Kansas, the towns are, are a lot closer together, uh, and rather than going to spots where I know I'm going to find photos, I, I explore these towns looking for shots. And before, I knew what I was going to shoot, and I'd go there and I'd shoot it. It was wonderful. Uh, now, I just don't know. Every town I go to is a different it's a different place, it's a different discovery. Um, and when you're doing that, you you have a few choices, going town to town. You can drive the interstates, and you can exit uh, at each town, or each town that has an exit. And you can photograph it and get back on the interstate and zoom to the next town. And so, kind of connecting the dots, but you're not quite connecting them I mean, you're just, you're sort of just dotting across the landscape. Um, what I'm doing is, is for the most part, ignoring the interstate altogether. Um, I'm driving the back roads, the old alignments. Uh, many of these roads have, have never been paved. Um, since we last talked, I, I've driven into Nebraska and across Kansas and back, across the Northern part and back. And right now, in fact, I'm coming to you from atop Picket Wire Canyon in in Colorado. And tomorrow, I'll make uh, an 11-mile hike to photograph uh, one of the largest collections of Brontosaurus footprints in the world. Maybe not, maybe the largest even. And I'm super excited. But before I do that, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I've been up to. Um like I said with driving those back roads that I've been doing for the past week, um, it, it gives you a, a, a true look into how the land appeared to the, the first white settlers, and even to the Native Americans. The land is, is virtually unchanged. It's farmed, but the landscape is virtually unchanged. Um, the farms and towns dotting this open, open landscape are, are certainly worse for wear, but in that wearing, there's a hardship uh, and an honesty to the story. And, and there, right there, is your shot. That, that hardship, but that honesty. Um, but it, it isn't always hardship. Uh, some towns thrive through the years and the dust and the heat. The, the photos that I'm taking, I hope, uh, tell both of those stories. Uh, by, by leaving the highways, by ignoring the highways and traveling the same dirt roads used by the farmers, still scratching out a living, uh, I can see the faces. As they pass me in their trucks, and they almost—they're almost always waving every time I pass them. They'll—they'll they'll lift up a hand or wave a hand out the window, and and damn it, every single time I wave back, because that's just how it is. Those back roads, those are the true veins, the arteries that continue to pulse the life through this part of America. It—it's something I don't really think I see anywhere else in this in this country, maybe anywhere else in the world, really. Uh, so while it's it's their job to make their lives work, and make their communities work, it's my job to capture that. Because it is working. They're, they're making that happen. And so it's my job to capture that with, with empathy and with honesty. Along the way, so many things have happened, and I wish I had time to share all of these experiences, like today. Um, I was driving this road, and I saw a a crappy painted sign that said Battle Canyon. And I was like, okay, sure, whatever. It's going to be cheesy. It's going to be awful. So I drive back this little road, and I drive to this top of this kind of hill, kind of overlooking what appeared to be some sort of canyon in Kansas, no less. And I see a rock carn, and I read the inscription on the carn, and it was about... Um, how the Cheyenne battled the United States troops in 1875, I believe, and um, how they escaped and continued to fight another day. And it was, well, okay, and in the process they, they killed the, the United States commander on the scene. Um, it was the last Indian Wars battle in Kansas, and he was the last uh, American officer to die in the Indian Wars in Kansas. Um, when I was overlooking the canyon, I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty cool. But then I started noticing little paths running down everywhere. And I decided, that this, is, this is perfect. I can, I can hike this little thing. So I grabbed three or four cameras, a couple of 35s and maybe a couple of 120s. Um, and I started tramping around this, this beautiful, small but beautiful canyon complex. And the sun was just coming up, and so as it was rising over this canyon, more and more of it was being illuminated. And more and more shots started coming into view, because as the sun came up, it revealed a hidden, a hidden crag, a little cave in the back where the women and the children and the old ones hid during the battle. And as I got to the, to the other side of the canyon, up on top, I discovered the rings of rocks that the Cheyenne women built for the warriors to hide behind, and ambush the United States troops. Those rocks are still there, right where those women put them. That's amazing. Um, none of this is on, on maps. You, just, you have to like, drive these roads and discover these places. So once I took a few photos, I tramped back up to the car and I grabbed the Intrepid 4x5 and four uh, film holders and all the other ephemera that goes with all of that, including this big-ass tilt-all tripod. And I lugged it back down to the bottom of the cane and back up to the top of the other side. And I took, I think, five pictures uh, of that, which is a lot for me. Um, I spent about two hours there, just being enveloped in this story that I didn't even know existed prior to me finding this crappy little sign that said Battle Canyon, and I don't know, it's everything you live for when you're traveling is to discover something like that, and it was perfect. But then today, I also visited the uh, Sandy Creek Massacre site, where 200 or so Cheyenne and Arapaho, mostly women and children, were massacred by Union soldiers in 1864. Um, I don't believe in ghosts and spirits and all of that stuff, but at some of these places, there's a heaviness. I don't know, I can't explain it, but some of these places, there's such a heaviness that even if you know going into it, you're gonna end up in tears several times just by by looking at the landscape and seeing where this massacre took place, and just allowing yourself to feel these things, and at the same time, photograph these things, it's kind of a, a, a different experience than the Battle Canyon experience, but it's a very similar feel when you're finished, that you've accomplished something important with your photography. Even if nobody sees these photos but you and maybe a few friends on Instagram. Just that you were there to learn, to witness, and to listen to the stories told by the people that were here before us and our ancestors who did a lot of horrible things to a lot of very innocent people. And, you know, eventually, someday, I'm going to take a vacation that isn't heart-wrenchingly horribly sad. I don't know when that's going to be, but I'm going to photograph it, and I'll let you know. So, until next week, um, uh, well, when it comes to next week, I'll be driving back east through the bottom part of Kansas. I'll be hitting some happier stories, including John Brown um and then doing the oklahoma panhandle so we'll see how that is i'm sure there'll be sadness along the way and i'm sure i'll tell you all about it and i'm sure i'll photograph a little bit of it too until then take it easy
0: and we're back after that delightful entry from eric uh keep those coming in please um on to our emails. As I said we've got quite a few so let's hit these. The first one is from Alexander Davenport. Alexander writes, "Hi Sunbeams, thank you so much for providing a great resource for film photography enthusiasts and being a cornerstone for such a great community. I have been listening for the better part of a year and have really enjoyed and have been really enjoying the podcast and the community that has built around it. For my 30th birthday, my wife bought me a Canon EOS 33" Oh dear, one of the unfixable ones, isn't that right? <laughs> <laughs> no, very
2: good camera,
0: very good camera. There, they are, yeah. I've got a <laughs> Canon EOS 30 and I love it. Um, a film SLR that would allow me to use all my lenses for my DSLR. I then managed to build my own small dark room under my stairs. Ooh. Ventilation, pa. I'd laugh in its face if I could breathe better. <laughs> oh, my
1: God. Okay, don't try this at home, listeners. Ventilation is super important in a dark room. Oh, my God.
0: And I bought a lot of the equipment from one person on eBay. The lady was amazing and provided everything I needed, including eight boxes of expired paper. She sold the whole lot cheaply because she wanted to go to someone who would get as much enjoyment as she did. The understairs cupboard is my second location, with the first being much larger and happened to contain a shower and toilet. My wife had other visions for that room and selfishly decided to banish the essential equipment to <laughs> under the stairs cupboard, refusing to use the bucket and hose i had <laughs> placed outside for her.
1: After she bought him this camera as I well know. for his 30th I birthday. <laughs> well, Long-suffering <laughs> spouses.
0: Yeah, When we move back to Melbourne, Australia in a year um, uh, Okay, it's all falling (laughs) into place now (laughs) In a year Or I think um, I think they'll be the only things I'll take back Well, that and my growing Collection of film cameras And I guess the (laughs) missus <laughs> yep, he's defo Australian. All kidding aside, I have also attached my two entries for the cheap shots challenge. I hope I am not too late for that, you certainly are not. The first was taken at Fen Drayton Lakes in Cambridgeshire, and the second in the grounds of Mottisfont House in Hampshire. They were taken on an old Canon FTB given to me for free! It was Ooh. my grandfather's. Oh, awesome. oh, even better, yeah. Paired with a 50mm lens, and the film was Agfa Vista 100 Black and White that I bought from Analog Wonderland. They were developed in Ilfosol 3, scanned, and some. Uh, it says dining and burning on Photoshop. <laughs> but I suspect- that's a
1: whole different kind of uh, yeah. dinner party.
0: <laughs> I, I suspect that's dodging and burning on Photoshop. I hope that my camera choice is acceptable, but feel free to disqualify if it does not fit the brief. It most certainly does. Free yeah. is good. I mostly use Twitter and can be found at trend2signif, <laughs> okay, uh, or al-dav, or Dave, al Al. Dav, with my images being displayed either there or on my website at uh, www.alexanderdavenport.com forward slash adventures dash in dash film my feed is a mixture of digital and film work and i'm always on the lookout for new photography friends all the best and cheers for the laughs ow that was brilliant
1: Thank oh, you thank you so much, which, that. Alexander. That's
0: brilliant. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I've got a Canon EOS 30E, which is obviously very similar to the Canon EOS 33. And and I, I really like that camera. I mean, you know, it's very much like my first digital SLR, like Canon 30D in size. And, so and there are just times when actually it's quite nice to take out that, like, tech and go yeah look at me i can do autofocus and everything it winds (laughs) on there is a time it's sometimes it's just quite fun to to have um all the power of modern technology but also when you press that shutter you go as it winds on the film you go yeah this is still a proper camera and i've actually been (laughs) mucking around with mine i slapped on um an old Oh, not old, but a 90 millimeter macro lens that I had for my digital camera to see how that behaves. Because the only thing is I'm pretty sure that was a crop sensor. So some going to be some good vignetting on those pictures, but I wanted to see what it was like, so that's good. Rach, do you want to take the next one from Michael Jinn?
1: yeah sure he says um love your show Ah, oh, thanks michael i shoot both film and digital and since i just got myself a proper copy stand and a limography digitalizer for 120 film i decided to see what my nikon d850 could put out if i scanned my film with it in inverted commas uh, suffice to say that i have been extremely impressed as the resulting file can print something like a 54 by 45 inch at 300 DPI straight, without any interpolation or quality loss. It's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> um, perhaps even more impressive is that this is all done with an AIS lens that I picked up for $100. I can't wait until the Nikon ES2 I ordered finally comes in so that I can try it out with 35mm film. Anyway, I'm providing a JPEG for easy viewing as well as DNG RAW file made by Lightroom after performing an automatic stitch so you can play around with the file it says it was scanned using the Nikon D850 and a Nikkor 55mm uh, 2.8 micro um, AIS, AIS micro lens with the PK13 extension tube for one to one reproduction multiple shots done in raw and then stitched together in Lightroom the film is HP5 exposed at uh, box speed at ISO 400 and developed in Xtol replenished stock and the image was taken with a Mamiya 7 that i was borrowing which i think has something like an 80 mm uh 3.5 lens on it keep up the great show guys which is lovely thank you very much michael and um, I'm, I'm presuming that there is the jpeg and the dng that obviously i can't see but do you want to talk us through that graham if well, you have it there
0: I, I i was just about to oh I'll just click on these quick because i had another chance to look at them um they're quite large files. I
3: hope that Michael <laughs> has a big,
0: a big hard drive because uh, the JPEG is 108 megabytes. That is a big <gasps> file. Um, so okay will, so
1: there's a bit called jpeg mini you might want to chuck it through that, <laughs> that I,
0: I, might will, help. I will definitely do. um i know that uh, michael did actually send me a second email um a little bit later on with a link um to some work that he's done uh digitizing uh, some Ferrania p30 using this setup so i will uh, include the link for that make a note in the show notes so i don't forget rich i will include a link for that in the show notes this week so um We can all see. Actually, if I click on that now, let me see if I can bring it up. Picture of copies copy. They look very good. They do look very good. Um, Yes, it looks like he's getting some fairly fantastically sharp results coming out of that. So, yes, very, very cool. Yes. Thank you very much for letting us know about that. That's cool. And I I will include links so that others can see what you can do to get massive files. (laughs) <laughs> um, the next one is a nice quick one from Joe Feherty. Uh Joe writes, Say, here are my entries for the cheap shots challenge with my Pentax Auto 110 with Lomo slide film, home developed with E6 kit uh, that's Ooh. cool, I've not mm. done E6 yet they are shots of the superstition mountains oh, cool, <laughs> the Stevie Wonder what? mountains that's and, amazing and Canyon Lake <laughs> in a very hot arizona which yeah oh my god So okay we've been moaning about the heat quite a lot It's 115 degrees fahrenheit which is 46 degrees oh celsius oh my god bugger that wow. like uh, <laughs> i hope you like them and thanks for a great show my god can you even imagine that's i think the hottest i've ever been was in australia and it was like 40 41 degrees but uh, yeah Heesh. wow well, uh, <laughs>
3: Would you like to next take one? the next
0: one yeah. from your new bestest birds, Rachel?
1: Oh, God, calm down, Graham, it's fine. <laughs> um, so this is from the lovely Mike Gutterman, and he says... <laughs> "Hello, lovely what?
3: Mike
1: Gutterman. Yeah, he's lovely. Well, he was nice to me. Um, <laughs> Mike said, hello, sa- hello, Sunbeams. How dare Graham call the negative positives a slut? <laughs> why wouldn't uh, why wouldn't Rachel cheat on you? After all, we are a much younger pod- podcast. <laughs> uh well yes this is true. my husband's younger than me as well so you know clearly this is something that i i seem to go for i suppose um just wanted to ask if aid would be interested in judging our double exposure competition instead of graham <laughs> haha he also says just kidding looking forward to graham's ego crushing judgment there you go
0: um, i promise you'll get it
1: <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure you will um everybody's waiting with bated breath for all that um he says going on a beach vacation soon he's always at the flipping pool parties and at the beach this guy i mean goodness um so he says going on a beach vacation soon and on top of the way uh, and on top of the way too many oh and i don't know what he's trying to say there but i think he's saying too many cameras that he's taking uh which at this point is up to oh my god up to eight cameras bloody hell um i'm bringing my lovely pentax point and shoot to get some landscapes for the cheap shots challenge which brings up a question. How many cameras do you all take when going on a vacation or holiday? I guess you Brits call it. Uh, Thanks for the awesome show. And thanks to Rachel for the lovely date. Yay. Um, Thanks, Mike. No problem. Uh, Okay, so what, how many cameras do you take? Now, when he says going on a holiday or vacation, I know that Graham, you've taken like nine cameras with you to go to the swimming
0: pool or like to Tesco or something haven't you
1: <laughs> in the past so uh, how many how many do you usually take
0: uh, yeah I mean I, I would say eight or nine is probably <laughs> about yeah <maybe. gasps> um, yeah you know, that sounds about right yeah you know because okay. a handful of point and shoots uh Bronica, mm-hmm. you know an SLR or two I love that it's like a handful maybe like of a road. pick
3: mix well
1: because Just... they're only small Scoop in a Well, that's because you're a tall chap. <laughs> yeah,
3: <exactly. laughs>
1: Maybe it's relative to size, you know. So for me, I'd probably go for um uh, i go for a trusty 35mm SR. Um and I might well go for a um, uh, one of my TLRs, so my roll effects or my Rolleicord. Um oh, mm, you see where, where I then get stuck is like, well, I want to take something, like you say, like a small, maybe my XA, you know, my little Olympus XA or something, because you just chuck that in a little pocket or whatever. But then I'm often kind of thinking, ah, oh, but I need a pinhole as well. So then that's the point where I it becomes four cameras rather than three cameras. And I end up taking also, maybe like my undo 35 or something um which remind me actually I realized I still have your undo uh Graham um so sorry about that um I would need to get that back to you but that's quite a bit of a bigger chunkier camera so that's something I probably would take out just specifically to shoot with it rather than going on vocation with it I would probably take the smaller one my 35 mil pinhole so yeah, so between three and four for me, and between eight or nine for Graham. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we can probably answer for Aid as well. What do you reckon? I think he'd just he'd say his FM two.
0: Yeah, Aid travels light, doesn't he? He'll, he'll yeah. generally just take one. He'll go, okay, I, I'm taking the Bronica on this holiday, or I'm taking the yeah. Nikon, or I'm taking my Instax. Um, yeah. Or my, my his lemurography camera at the moment. What about you, yeah. Linden? I know you 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 digital, yeah. but do you just do you have your one digital camera that you take or? Yeah.
2: Well, if if I was going somewhere special, I might take my D two hundred. But in recent years, I probably would just take my phone. Really? Okay. And I know everyone's going. Oh. <laughs> but no, that's probably what I would take. Just my phone. very
1: light traveling, very light. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, my, my wife takes more pictures than me, but she does it on her phone as well. So interesting. But I, I do have cameras I could use. I, I'll just put that out there. yeah <laughs>
1: excellent um cool so there we go hopefully we've answered your question there mike um do you want to take the next one greg
0: Yep. from one reprobate podcast host to another reprobate podcast host this email is from andrew bartram of the lensless podcast uh andrew writes hello sunbeams after a hectic few weeks i found myself relaxing by lake bala in north wales Mm. which is very near where I lived for a very long time. But yeah. My best friend uh, lived in Bala for a long time, and catching up on. I have sunny- a cuddly
1: toy named after Lake Balla, actually.
0: Just just as a little aside, <laughs>
1: <laughs> my my, um, my grandmother <laughs> went there um, for holidays and things. So uh, so yeah, so she brought me a, a cuddly toy back from Lake Balla. Oh, anyway, <laughs> sorry, I was just enjoying my little reminiscing there. Sorry, Andrew, I, I've I've managed to ruin your email. Go on.
0: Carry on. <laughs> uh, I, I learned to drive around Valor, and it's a one-horse town. I think I almost hit that one horse. I'm um, <laughs> catching up on Sunny podcasts. I skipped over the one that had a twittering on about megapixels, and I paid attention when you started talking about shooting IR film. And Corey Cannon was mentioned. He does indeed shoot it a lot <laughs> in his pinhole cannon. In his pinhole cannon, his pinhole cameras and gets great results. I believe he rates the Roly IR film at a box speed of four hundred and meters through the filter. But I may be wrong, but not as wrong as Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um I'm sure Corey will chip in with proper advice, but there is lots of info, info out there on the interwebs. Uh, on a secondary note, I really enjoyed Ms Brewster's appearance <laughs> on Mike and Andre's show. A great listen and very classy. I was disappointed that she bottled out of my question though. <laughs> That's a good point. What was Andrew's no, question for you, no, Rachel? It doesn't matter. What, uh, what it was, Lyndon, was uh, Rachel got asked which... Is her favourite co-host, me or Aid? <laughs> and she wouldn't answer Ooh. it. She, she wouldn't answer it. Oh. I mean, it's a difficult choice.
1: Depends on which one pays me more, I suppose.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair point. Yeah, in sweets, point. obviously. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: you guys remain my second best podcast listen. That doesn't. Seem to be. <laughs> so keep up the good work. Lots of love from Andrew. Uh, so thank you very much for that, Andrew.
1: Uh, oh, um, just uh, it made me think about this because Ilf- there's Ilford Fridays um, or fa- uh, Friday favourites, isn't there, um, mm-hmm. that Ilford do on, on their Twitter uh, feed. And this week's is about um, shots that have been done through filters or been been using filters. And obviously we're talking about um, IR film and things. So if oh. there's any um, that you are testing out, then this might be a good week to also tag them with that too
0: maybe i i've got about 26 shots into my role of sfx and of course a lot of that was shot shots yeah, well, i'll try to try mm. and get on get that done yeah 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 that's this
1: week's mm, yes definitely
0: yeah i might try to i i definitely won't get it done in time but let's let's pretend i might um do you want to you i read that last one didn't i <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. i did do you read the next one <laughs> i'll lose my mind um read the next one from roberto martinez
1: uh he says greeting sunbeams from santa cruz california rob here better known as at analog lives and uh, that's the american spelling of analog on instagram sorry uh, sorry not sorry for the american spelling i didn't realize he'd written that um first off thank you for the amazing podcast that keeps me company every day on my commute to university by UC me santa. every day <laughs> sorry
0: no nothing i just I just um uc santa cruz and then i was thinking uh Hacky sacks because that's all I can think about with Santa Cruz University.
1: <laughs> I don't know what you're going on about. I'm very sorry, Roberto. Carry, okay. Carry so, apologies to Roberto for whatever you're t- t- twittering on about there. um He says, I'm in the process of catching up and have listened all the way from episode one. Oh my God. Well, then it seems like he's with us for the long haul then. <laughs> uh, he says, I started shooting film about almost nine months ago. And have hardly picked up my digital camera since. I shoot with three main cameras: the Nikon F three, Olympus, Um, Go on. How do you pronounce it, Graham?
0: Mew, Rachel. Mew not, two. Not <laughs> <laughs> yes, do you forget.
1: <laughs> Mew two, and the Minolta CLE. I call it my Holy Trinity, much to my very <laughs> Catholic mother's display dismay. Um attached to some of my Cheap Shots challenge photos taken on Ektar 100 with my Olympus Infinity Junior that I picked up at a thrift shop during a road trip for $8. That's awesome. After listening to 83 plus of your podcasts, I am left with one burning question. We know how Rachel joined the gang, but how did the Graham and Aid romance begin? Ah, well, we get to show 100 and I ask that very question. So there we go. Uh, thank you for the hours of entertainment and happy shooting from Rob. Um, and, Yeah, I should probably also point out that at Show 100, when I asked this question, there was disagreement (laughs) over how the romance began. (laughs)
0: No, there there wasn't disagreement. Aide just had completely forgotten because he's an old, old man and his memory (laughs) has gone.
1: (laughs) There we go. You will find out, Rob, in in just a few more episodes. Stick with it.
0: (laughs) Stick with it, indeed. And very nice pictures as well. Okay, the next email is from Jean-Michael Mendeza. Uh, Apologies for butchering that uh dear sunbeams i want to write and thank you for the hours of enjoyable informative and inspirational podcasts that you have produced i have Aww. listened to all of them oh boy again don't do that it's bad for your health and always look forward to the next episode all the way back in episode one graham spoke this is uh, one of my previous not quite so successful making ones. <laughs> graham spoke about his attempts to use a bronica back to make a pinhole camera this, along with all the other talk of pinhole photography, inspired me to make a pinhole camera of my own. In a previous email, I teased my plans to use my Bronica GS1 as a starting point. Well, the wait is over and my GS pinhole is fully functional, if not quite complete. It features Ooh. a handcrafted wooden body, interchangeable lenses made from the finest coffee cans available. <laughs> multi-format backs, including 6x7, 6x6, and 6x4.5, a magnetic shutter mechanism, laser-drilled pinholes from Reality So Subtle, and much more. If anyone is interested, and I certainly am, there Mm. are photos and more information about it on my website, www.jmm-photos.com, and then forward slash galleries, forward slash pinhole. I took it out yesterday for the first time and I'm very happy with how it works. The images may not be art yet, but the camera works great. When's World Pinhole Day? Not till next April, I'm afraid, so by then Mm. it definitely will be art that you're making. So thanks, Graham, for (laughs) inspiring this adventure with my stupid. Um, Hopefully more people will be inspired to go out and make things, be it cameras, photos or both. Keep up the great work. Best regards. John Michael. Uh, P.S. I have acquired not one but two potential cheap shots challenge cameras for a grand total of fifteen euros, including shipping. I still have to decide which one is worthy <laughs> of the challenge. The worst Ooh. one, always the worst one. That's really cool. Um, yeah, yeah, just uh, very awesome. Look at the
1: influence you have, Graham.
0: Yeah, yeah, Ooh. I'm an influencer. Look, look at me. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna very quickly uh, see if I can just find. Um, because I did see I glimpsed them earlier and uh, it looks really cool um what John has done John Michael has done it, it looks I mean the thing that I made was uh, a horrible disaster, bodged thing um that was you know just just an embarrassment but this really actually does look very cool and the result that he's got with it is also very cool so do have a look at that list it's but, it, um, but
1: it's it's also cool because you you've learned as well you see so we start off with one thing that hasn't worked and and now you know you're you're ready to start trademarking your own so uh pretty good yeah don't worry about it
0: absolutely
1: this is amazing i love the look this is so cool
0: well done Yes. Okay, next email is from Dustin Cogsdale, who, if I'm not much mistaken, I also had the pleasure of hearing on the Negative Positive podcast recently. Uh, Dustin writes in, Hello Sunbeams, here is my submission for the Cheap Shots Challenge, as the title suggests. (laughs) These are a little different as they are instant film, but I assure you they still meet the guidelines price-wise. Hope that's okay. They were shot on a Polaroid SX-70 sonar I picked up a th- at a thrift store for four ninety nine <gasps> US dollars. What? Oh, you're gonna get some hate there. That's a very, oh that's God. a very good buy. And I got two packs of expired Impossible Project film at a local bookstore for ten dollars, which is brave, <laughs> bringing my total to a whopping fourteen ninety nine. Enough about that. The shots were taken at a hidden gem waterfall local to me called High Skulls Fools. Uh, hope you enjoy thanks for all the great podcasts um so that's very cool some polaroid cheap shot stuff that's awesome we, uh, we often get polaroid um, mm, cheap shot stuff yeah so, um uh da, 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 um, let me find oh just, my, know, my
1: very first my very first submission to the cheap shots challenge was uh polaroid actually
0: what's it i don't mm. really remember Back in yeah the, th-
1: well this is way before i was on the show way before um
0: yeah. Well, there you go. Clearly, it's yeah. the, the camera to go for because the pictures are very nice. Um, yeah. I
1: couldn't one? do it afterwards because it was too expensive, obviously, to uh, refill it with film. Again, yeah. it automatically put me out of the challenge <laughs> after that. That is um, the
0: problem. The next yeah. one's from Joe Bay, correct? Do you want to take that one?
1: Yeah, lovely. Um, dear Sunbeams, please find my entries attached. These were taken on a walk along the North nor- Norfolk coast with Cosmophoto Mono film using a Barrett el- electronic camera, East German aperture priority brittle plastic construction. Yeah. You've got one, haven't you, Graham?
0: Uh, no, no, I haven't got one of those oh, pieces, not. Of course, uh, but, but it just sounds great. you know. Yes. Ge- it says all the right things. East German brittle plastic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it, says, unfortunately- yeah, sorry. it says, unfortunately, the battery wasn't making a good connection with the camera, and this resulted in most of the roll being overexposed. On the plus side, this has made for lots of grainy atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> That's like in a ca- in saying character in a house that's falling down, isn't it? <laughs> um, as it happens, once I had given the battery a wiggle, the rest of the roll looked great. Oh, well, I'm really pleased to hear that. That's good. Um, I really enjoyed your latest podcast, in particular Eric's audio diary. So hopefully you've enjoyed today's that we've slotted in as well. It says, just in case you were wondering, he really did say sod house, <laughs> but don't worry, it's just a type of mud hut. Ah, okay, and he's included a Wikipedia link to make sure that we know that this is definitely real. <laughs> I,
0: I love oh, the best, Joe ass- Baker. <laughs> I love Excellent. Joe's assumption that we we just assume it's a house full of sods. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: thank you, Joe. Uh, yeah. Joe is at evil underscore chutney. um I think that's on Twitter or
0: uh, um, and Instagram. I think he's the same yeah, and both. Cool. Linda, you you mentioned before about um, the Zenix East German cameras, they always strike me as the kind of thing that would probably be fairly easy to work on because they're kind of real nuts and bolts. Is that the case with those? Um,
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, The Practicas are quite nice to work on. Yeah. Um, I must have done a a million of those. Uh, Not recently, but um, yeah, nice mechanical cameras to work on um
0: yeah and and what about the shutter because do they have the fabric shutters or are they metal shutters on those
2: um i'm thinking of sort of things like an mtl50 and, and that ilk and, and they're metal shutters oh, um cool. and yeah they you know you, you get the occasional problem with them but they're nice to work on yeah
0: awesome good to know good to know we're getting through these well listeners don't worry mm. just lots of cheap shots Chinese stuff so
1: it's always lovely to hear about. Song, uh, absolutely
0: that, it? is. It's fantastic. Uh, this next one is from Dean Lastoria. Hi, Tigers. That the fancy <laughs> sunbeam with the V8, right? Yeah, we're, we're definitely the fancy sunbeams with the V8. Here's my cheap shots challenge entry uh, English Bay from Point Grey. Now, this was shot on a 1951 Geva box or Geva box. I don't know which is correct with that jiva uh, box jiva box six by nine rectangular i have to say that with 20 canadian dollars you can you can only get a fine camera like this if it is rusty and the merchant at ye oldy junk shop thinks the shutter doesn't work <laughs> but if you hold it so gravity works with you it is just fine and is accurate within some fractions of a second <laughs> Not just any box camera. It has some kind of helicoid focusing, reminiscent of a pop bottle lid, and what seems <laughs> to be frosted viewfinders. Though maybe I don't want I don't want to know what they're frosted with. <laughs> <Ew>. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> also, it is equipped with f/8, f/11, and f/16. In honour of hey. Sony 16, this was shot at F-16 at some shutter speed between one-fiftieth <laughs> and one-fifth of a second. <laughs> I mean, photography is very much a precision hobby. Funny story. The film was free. I got it free when my film broke the lab's machine. I Ooh. brought in a bunch of my old film and my film rumpled and broke their machine. Oh, God. They refunded my money, did the processing for free, gave me all new rolls of film, and the images were actually better, thanks to the custom distressing. <laughs> <laughs> I saved that for you. That's a very good way of looking at it. Um, uh, I saved that roll for a special occasion. Don't blame the lab for the processing, that I did it myself. <laughs> really enjoy the podcast. Thanks for all the time you put into it from Dean, so... Thank you very much, Dean. Um, do you want to take the next one from our good friend Jeremy Rach?
1: Yes, from Jeremy. He says, "Sunnies, this is going to be a but free email for once." Mm, okay, that's interesting. We will see where we progress from there. It's Distracted nice to avoid by the-
0: Jeremy's but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Distracted by the World Cup and now Le Tour de France. I've not been in touch for a while, so here goes. I really enjoyed episode 109. You've definitely got back on track. <laughs> They're working together with you. is sure to have great results with the summer competition. Awesome work, dudes and dudette. Hey, I like being a dudette. That's fun. Um, I'm assuming he was talking about me, but it could have been, obviously, Pete, uh, Paul or Andy, I suppose, couldn't it? Um, excellent interviews with both Andy and Paul. Then a superb audio message from Eric. Please big him up in your next show. It would be good to hear more from his odyssey. There we go. Well, you asked and you have received, hopefully, from today.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, thank you, Graham, for the review of your cardboard cutout camera. Although a complete waste of hard-earned, in question mark, um, the entertainment value made up for it. Easy for me to say, I know. As a return for your, to your heartland. Voila and love, etc. cetera.
0: Thank you very much, Jeremy. Good to hear from you. It it was, yes. And, um, yeah, it is lovely having these things from Eric. And um, we have also got, uh, as I mentioned, I think, last week, we've also got um, a little audio diary from uh, Martin Scarland, uh, which i may put a, actually what i think i will probably say because this show is already getting quite long with email so i will i will continue to save martin's and um so we so can give it it's proper we'll right paste place. them out exactly Absolutely. um and yes maybe we'll finish doing eric's first but uh yeah they're great i love hearing from eric it really is awesome and um yes a lot of great feedback from that uh the final email for this week, we have got more, but I think um, we will leave the rest till future episodes because um, otherwise we'll never let you good people out here. But this is an, this is the third email from another podcast this week. This one is from Nick Lyle, uh, co-host of the Homemade Camera podcast, which I feel like I should probably be hosting now. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Nick Sorry, writes, that was a very big laugh, wasn't it? I, <laughs> apologies. Greetings, esteemed Sunbeams. A few episodes back, Graham of Sunny16 declared a bounty on useless cameras, which he dubbed with the brilliant title Scammeras. This is the type of viral naming that usually precedes the scapegoating of some unfortunate minority, and my heart went out to these awful little cameras as soon as I heard Graham's harsh words. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel and Aid have softer hearts than the dread Graham, and they were obviously uncomfortable with his declaration of war on these unfortunate cameras. Um, can I, before yeah. I move on, have you ever, in the history of your your time with cameras, Linden, come across one of these plastic monstrosities? Yeah.
2: Yes, I I remember the podcast when you mentioned it, and I've got a good story. Oh, um, I would love to. I think this puts it to rest. Um when I was at um in Exeter, um we actually did a report for trading standards on those exact cameras.
3: No way. <laughs> oh my god. We,
2: I mean, yeah, they basically were dubbed not cameras. <laughs> so it's um, like
1: when's a biscuit not a biscuit if it's yeah, a Jaffa cake a sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no,
2: the best the, the most um the, the most valuable part of them was the lead weight they put in the bottom. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah,
2: I, I feel. No cameras, destroy. Thank you,
0: thank you for taking my correct side on this. Anyway, carrying <laughs> on with Nick's thing, which is fantastic. So I will carry on. The other day, I had an idea that it might be fun to try and rescue some of these poor little scammers by surgically enhancing them, transforming them into functional and fun cameras by replacing useless bits with functional alternative parts, hacks or other modifications. I am hereby offering a challenge to the combined <laughs> membership of the Sunny 16 podcast and the Homemade com- cam- <laughs> the Homemade Camera podcast. To one and all publish the names and images of so-called scammers so that those of us with soft hearts and nothing better to do can locate samples of the type and attempt to make them into useful cameras. Better yet, buy one yourself and either modify it or mail it to a member of the Homemade Camera podcast who is willing to take on the challenge of reviving one of these worthless gadgets. Uh, There are two sides to this challenge. On the one hand, the challenge of breathing life into a lifeless camera-like device. Or, on the other hand, the challenge of finding a camera so bad that not even our top camera surgeons can bring it up to a reasonably functional level. Uh, A few homemade camera podcast enthusiasts can be found here, and he gives me a link to a Flickr group which I will include in the show notes. Post your challenges and photos of examples of the Scamra tribe to our members on the Homemade Camera Podcast Flickr group, and maybe post a link in the Homemade Camera Podcast Flickr discussion thread as well. Save these unfortunate cameras <laughs> from Graham's hammer. Hammer? <laughs> <laughs> hammer? Like a Scamra. <laughs> yeah. A, ha- a hamra. <laughs> Respectfully <laughs> yours, Nick Lyle. The Homemade Camera Podcast. Um, The Homemade Camera Podcast is a very good podcast. And Nick and Graham, the hosts, are clearly very good at what they are doing with um, making and building cameras. And they are incredibly informative podcasts. And yet, I say unto them... (laughs) having disassembled one of these cameras and I guess you probably have too Lyndon down to its very (laughs) leaden heart itself that there is not (laughs) one useful thing that you can do with these however I very much like the idea of watching you trying to do it so listeners if you see I guess particularly if you're in the States because that's where both Nick and Graham are based if you see on eBay or elsewhere uh an Olympia, or a Nikkei, or I can't remember what some of the other ones are. Um, uh, there is a, there's a there's a Canon-esque one as well, which I cannot remember. Um, and numerous, you know them when you see them. If you see one, please do pass this information on to Nick and Graham, and let's see if they can make something out of these cameras. I would love to see it. Or smash them to bits with a hammer and send us the video. Either works. Either's great. I would yes. be very happy to see both. But I think both <laughs> Lyndon and myself are very much on team hammer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that will do us for emails this week. Thank you so much. Everybody who has written in a fantastic collection of emails. I know we're getting a lot of them because there's loads of cheap shots challenge ones. Um, and it's going to make for a great Cheap Shots challenge. But we want to read the emails ahead of time so that we can really focus on talking about the pictures on the show itself. Um, and also
1: it would make the Cheap Shots cham- cam- uh, challenge. Oh, gosh, it's late. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it would make that show about a week long. I don't know, about two hours long. It will be about a week long, wouldn't it, if we saved them all for then. So it's nice to kind of get to hear about them prior to the judging
0: Yes, absolutely, um, because I think we can fairly safely say that this is going to be um, the best-attended Cheap Shots challenge yet. Uh, so, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, whilst we're on the subject of competitions and challenges, I want to give a shout-out, uh, following on from our awesome guests last week, um, a quick refresh just to remind everybody about the Kodak summer holiday challenge that's going on at the moment um it's already started get out there shoot some pictures up until the third of september so um just to run through quickly paul's very kindly because i said look you write this down or i'll forget it so (laughs) this is going to be going until the third of september and there's two parts to it there's the giveaway and the competition being run by analog wonderland along with kodak alaris With not one, not two, but three exciting features. You can tell Paul wrote this. (laughs) Uh, Marketing bullshit. One, (laughs) every order from Analog Wonderland between now and the 3rd of September that contains any Kodak film will also include a free roll of Kodak Color Plus 35mm. Two, a competition is running alongside the giveaway with the theme Summer Holidays. Shot on Kodak, with categories for beginners and proficient film photographers. Full details on the Analog Wonderland website. And three, the winners of the competition will receive a Kodak film goodie bag, including one of the first available rolls of Ektachrome as soon as it arrives in the UK. But we don't know when that will be yet. Um, the whole point, as we talked about on the show last week, of the film giveaway is that so you order your film from Analog 1, whatever you may be, but as long as there's some Kodak in there, you'll get a free roll of Kodak Color Plus film. And what we would love you to do with that is to use that roll of film to introduce somebody else to the joy of shooting uh, analog photography. Maybe, see, it, maybe what we should do, Rach, is mm. we should send a roll of colour plus film down to Lyndon and get him mm. to shoot a roll. Lyndon, mm. would you do it? Will you? Will you have a go with a roll? You, I know you've got cameras. I know oh. you've got cameras down there.
2: No We've, problem. I'm, I'm sure I can find a Nick A Nikkei to. Um, I was going to gonna say
1: scammers short. don't count. Oh, no. <laughs> don't you dare!
2: <laughs> You've got yeah, a big yeah. pile
0: no. of Zenix down there. You can pull one of those out. Were, as part as part of this summer holiday, will you commit to having a go at shooting a roll of film?
2: Yes.
3: Good. Hey.
0: No, and
1: and you have to make sure you hashtag it as well because this there was a subject of great debate last week over this, and the hashtag yes. is first frame of foot.
2: First frame of the film. I shall write that down. <laughs> so I saw
0: today on Twitter that they are already getting some entries through. So like I said, just make sure you're shooting. The pictures have to be shot on Kodak film, but other than that, what it is on the theme of summer holidays? Go buckwad, I, I hope Aid is out there getting some fantastic shots mm-hmm. this week whilst he's on his holiday. Uh, I am hoping to later in the uh, later in the summer holidays. Um, yeah, we will be reminding you of this every week until september comes because paul's making me
1: <laughs> 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 I'm,
0: I'm good at marketing <laughs>
3: oh
1: dear uh, no, um, we should awesome. also yeah sorry we should also mention that it's also roll film week this week as well yes. so that has has started so um um that would also be good to uh, a good way of getting film out there and into cameras and getting shot so there we go
0: Yes, it certainly will. It certainly will. Yeah, that's a very good point, Rach. uh, Roll Film Week is in full flow, so do make the most of these things all being very nicely timed. Um, Well, I think that will definitely do us for this week. Uh, Lots of great stuff. Lyndon, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute delight having you on the show.
2: I'm glad to be here. It's been fun
0: good i'm I'm glad i'm glad and i i hope that the things that you've had to say have um given our listeners some hope that their precious collection of cameras will stay with them a long time and and also just take home the point get out there and shoot that stuff don't just put it on your shelf Mm -hmm.
2: use it or use it or lose it there we are
1: just just before you go, actually, Linda, we, we chatted on the break about this, but you said that one of the things that you found stops people sending them to you is because they're worried about posting them. Do you yeah. have any last little bits of advice for people who they if they're going, oh, I've got my camera, but, you know, I'm not sure about getting it sent off.
2: Yeah, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not saying the Royal Mail are the best, but in my experience, I've never lost a parcel with them. So Royal Mail, always send it recorded. Always send it second class. Um, there's no point paying for first because it turns up at the same time anyway. Um, reasonable size box. You know, don't have, don't have the camera touching the edge of the box. A lot of bubble wrap. And away you go. Don't send it in a Jiffy bag. And don't send it in a PG tips box. Mm. Those are two tips. Two <laughs> tips for you. And two I PG have experienced this. <laughs> this. This has happened. Do not do it.
1: <laughs> what about Yorkshire tea?
2: <laughs> um
0: no <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I posted mine down and he got there and back all in one happy piece so yes
2: yeah. you did a good
0: job thank you very much i'm very good at wrapping stuff in too much too much <laughs> um and can you give us just again london your contact details um so anybody can find you and should they wish to send you a camera for some trc
2: yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter, um, and it's at Londinian Camera, um, and you can also find uh, my website there as well. But you can email me, and it's Mister Underscore Linden at hotmail.com
0: Perfect. And uh, in my experience, Linden is also incredibly helpful if you just want to ask a lot of really dumb questions <laughs> <laughs> uh, about, like, what if this is broke? Can we? Is this a thing? He's incredibly patient. So uh, make use of these resources. Uh, They are out there and um, need to be made use of. Rach, is there anything else you need to get to before we get out of here?
1: No, I think that's good. Um, I've mentioned Roll Film Week and yeah, no, we're we're good, I think. Yeah, excellent. Um, Hashtag shoot film, be nice, everybody
0: indeed indeed even though it is very very hot let's keep being nice to each other you can find us in all the usual places we're at sunny16podcast on Instagram and Twitter uh, and on Facebook as well uh, where Rachel has been chatting away to people on there Um, we are at sunny16podcast.com which I went through last week and (laughs) Rachel was up to date because I'd fallen behind a little bit but you will find all of our podcasts there and uh, also show notes and all the links and Stuff we talked about when I remember them if there's something that's not there that I said would be just nudge me and remind me and there's also a contact button there which is a great way of getting hold of us if you cannot remember the email address which is sunny16podcast at gmail.com music as always provided by Rach and her awesome band Aroha. Uh promises I should have kept available from all good purveyors of music uh, and we will be back next week uh, still no aid next week I'm afraid his holiday is long and glorious but Rach you'll be here won't you
1: I hope so (laughs) I hope
0: so too and I'll be here (laughs) and we have another lovely guest joining us this week so join us then listeners until then goodbye
3: bye bye